Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Happy Monday at 702. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley who made it in and Matthew Rocchio <laughs> who made it in. I'm Randy Carricker. Danny takes Mondays off if you aren't aware of his schedule. He's Tuesday through Friday. Congratulations, kids. Look yeah. at us. We did, we did it. We did it. Now, Randy, you have a lot of gear that's over there. Can you please tell the story of how you made it here? You are a survivor. You made it here this morning. Okay. Well, with the warning yesterday, and we got a, a text from our boss, Tommy Matter, and said, major ice storm coming tonight. And by the way, when you walk out of your house this morning, everybody, be careful because you might fall like <laughs> I did a couple of times. <laughs> And I'm old, and I fell. I didn't break a hip, thank goodness, because that's what goodness. old people generally do. But I, but I didn't. Uh, so yesterday, when we got that text, I thought, oh, you know what I'm going to do? Because I live close, I'm going to just take all my stuff in because I might have to walk in the morning, and I don't want to be walking in the dark, in the cold, in the ice, with a backpack and a little cooler because I bring my water in and stuff like that. So I brought all my stuff in and set it in the office yesterday, thinking, okay, one in a hundred chance that I need to do this, but I'm going to do it. Uh, get up this morning, and lo and behold, the meteorologists were right. Congratulations to them. Yes. Good job, Tempe and uh, Scott Connell and the and the gang. Uh, really, Matthew with the slow clap there. And so <laughs> I put on my Eddie Bauer snow boots. Very nice. Got them for Christmas mm-hmm. one year. And open up my garage door and take a step toward my car, and boom, I'm on my butt. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So I think, oh, well, this can't be this bad. So I literally slide down. I have to stop myself by grabbing the handle on my car. I'm in my driveway. I have to grab the handle on my car to stop myself from sliding all the way down the driveway. And then I try to go back up the driveway and I am like... um, Harry in uh, Home Alone, <laughs> trying to get back up the steps, you know, yes. when, when Kevin had iced the steps. That's what, that's what I'm, my, I'm, I'm trying to scurry. Finally, I, I, on the side of my car, I, I'm able to pull myself up again to the top of the driveway, go in, and as I showed you, Brooke, and I'll show you kids, yeah. um, I switched from my, uh, my snow boots, which were effective for snow, but not for ice. Oh, here we go. And here we I'm go. Show from Randy again. I, uh, I, I used, <laughs> if you're watching... On the old, uh, uh, on the YouTube this morning. And by you should, by the way, you should if you're in St. Louis, you should not leave home this morning. But I, <laughs> I switched to golf shoes, and I walked to work. I have mm-hmm. a flashlight, and I, uh, my, I, I live down the hill in my neighborhood. 
uh, getting up the hill was a hassle. It was a biatch. <laughs> I cannot. The, what a what an morning for you. One, the golf shoes. That is a brilliant move. Thank you. A brilliant move. And all the things that you have. You were even prepared the day before. Yeah. But did you scream out for help at all? Did you say, hey? Oh, no. I cursed. I cursed a few times when I fell. <laughs> Uh, but no, and I did have the flashlight in case I did fall in the middle of uh, yeah. Craig Road and Cream Corps. So I had a flashlight so that I could <laughs> wave it, kind of like the the movie uh, the The Rock, where at the end the Nicolas just... Cage character is waving his yeah. uh, his the flare. I, I wanted to be if I was in the middle of a street and a car or a truck was coming, I wanted to be able to wave the <laughs> so flare. Like we, we have actually we actually have a live replay of Randy Character this morning. <laughs> That was you. Well, Randy, what what a story. Because I think that you had the toughest situation because you walked here this morning. Mm -hmm. I actually drove. You drove too, right, Rock? Matthew, I, hotel room. Yeah, I, I, oh. I, I don't. When that offer oh. comes down from management, I do not say no. I go, okay, I set a late check-in time. I get all my my stuff done at home. And then, yeah, I, I kind of did Randy's version where I was like, if I can just get out there tonight, I'm going to do that. So thank you very much to management for always offering it. This is the second time I've taken them up on it in my two years now of working here. It's like my second week here when I started working here that I had to do it as well. So I stepped out of the hotel, out of the side door because my car was parked right outside my room. I got lucky mm-hmm. there. And there was a downward sidewalk from the door to the parking lot. So I did a little ice skating routine right down to my car <laughs> and then defrosted. Did you fall? Uh, no, I actually stayed on my feet somehow. Um, I, I swear, I, I trust sure? I'd, I'd, be, I'd be honest if I was falling, if I fell. <laughs> um, and then I slid down there. I sat in my car for like 20 minutes until the ice thawed a little bit. Because I thought, oh. oh, I can walk over. It's very close to the station. But my problem was, I'm like, I'm going to fall if I have to walk over here. Because there's going to be a lot of ice that I just don't see coming. There's going to be stairs. This is going to go poorly for me. Yeah. So I saw a couple trucks out there. They're doing a great job of, uh, of salting it down the way they can. And I just followed one of the plows on a back road. Oh. So after, after saying that you didn't like how they treated the roads now, you're well, yeah, because they're, they're because they did a better job, and so my, my opinion changed because the facts changed. I'll, t- I'll tell you what: if you are in St. Louis, then my rec- my personal re- recommendation is don't even bother yes. this morning. Wait until the roads are treated. Don't even try to walk out of your house because you might mm-hmm. break a bone. It's dangerous out there. No, I yeah. almost did this morning too because we yeah. have like a little kind of incline. We have stairs, but then the stairs were not even a good option. So I was like, okay, I'll take the grass, and I'm just kind of like slowly. And then I did slip a little bit, and I like screamed out a little bit. So if you live in U City, that was me that was screaming this morning. I, I get spooked so easily by everything. I was like, ah! and so it's just like a little shriek. I'm fine. Nobody's getting murdered. I promise you. It's just me trying to get out to my car this morning. So uh, we do have sports to talk about, and we're going to talk about it throughout the morning. A great weekend of NFL (laughs) action. The Blues with an impressive win on Saturday night. Horrible weekend for local basketball teams. Not great at all. No. And... The Cardinals have a new player, and we're going to talk about uh, Who's him. Who's that? Uh, is it somebody new? It's young? It's like old. No, not young. Oh, wait. What? Uh, it's it's kind of new and old. It's uh, it's Matt Carpenter. Oh. Yeah, we remember him. Yeah, I remember him. Remember uh, in 2013? Yeah, he, 2013. I think I remember like, Randy saying something last week. Like, you know what? If you get Chris Carpenter into this into this team, <laughs> yeah. it could really help him. I, I think they misheard you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think so. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Marp being, and by the way, he does have the great nickname. So that's a good thing. And uh, he's going to be on with uh, BK and Ferrario at noon today. Marp is going to be on, the, nice. on, on their show. Yeah, looking forward to that. I wonder. Well. 
I, I won't recommend any questions. Oh, Randy, are you sure you don't want to give them some questions? What's the first question? Just give us a hint what your first question would be. How do you expect to help this club, Matt? There you go. Yeah, you sign with the club. Obviously, you expect to help them. How? Well, according to the press conference this weekend between Mosellock and Matt Carpenter, it seems like it's going to be more about his off the field than on the field presence. Uh-huh, great. A lot of veteran talk this past season, right? Yeah. Or going yeah. into the season. Yeah, they need, they need it. Uh, football yesterday, Ooh. the Detroit Lions advanced to the NFC Championship game with a 31-23 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really wasn't that close. Tampa Bay with a garbage touchdown. Then inexplicably, mm-hmm. they tried for the two-point conversion. I don't know why they did that. Bad move on Todd Bowles' part. And then uh, Baker Mayfield, shaky bakey, as Jamie Rivers calls him, <laughs> is shaky, right? And winds up throwing the game losing interception. And then the late game was epic. Kansas City goes into Buffalo and wins by a score of 27 to 24. Isaiah Pacheco with a touchdown run late in the third quarter. The defense is really buckled down in the fourth. Just over a minute left and a chance for the Bills to tie this game and send it to overtime. Has to make one for us. The game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Really did stand up and make it very difficult on every three plays to make it. Buffalo just didn't have anything easy, no big plays. And to me, the pressure of that moment so intense, Jim. It's not over here right now. Kansas City is definitely in a driver's seat. And Kansas City did hold on to win. And there's nothing worse, Brooke, than losing a playoff series or game at home if you're a fan. And, man, those fans were beside themselves in Buffalo because they thought with the winning streak and being at home that they were going to advance to be able to take on uh, Baltimore next weekend. But sheer heartbreak in Buffalo again this morning. Poor. Am I? Do I feel bad about it? Am I supposed to feel bad about uh, it? Okay, Miss Music City Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in in general, I will say that a lot of narratives I felt like were squash this weekend. Not for Josh Allen, but for Patrick Mahomes. Everything was there was this big to do about him going on the road for his first playoff appearance mm-hmm. on the road. That is, and. I I didn't buy into that, and neither did Patrick Mahomes in them. That was probably, I think, in my opinion, their best showing offensively Mm -hmm. all season. And we were talking about the big plays, like Tony Romo was talking about there. The Chiefs had eight plays of 20 yards or more. The Bills had none. So you can't get upset with Tyler Bass in this situation. The Bills had a lot of opportunities that they could have capitalized within this game, and they didn't. The Chiefs were the better team, in my opinion. Here is Josh Allen on losing to the Chiefs again. Um, sucks. Losing sucks. Losing them, losing anybody at home sucks. I like Josh Allen and I feel bad. <laughs> but he didn't, you know, he, he had trouble navigating Spag's defense. And he did. They, they, they put 24 points on the board. But man, it, it was tough sledding all night long for that Buffalo offense. Meanwhile, Brooke, what did you think after Kelsey's first touchdown when he does the heart sign up to the Taylor Swift suite? I thought that that was to his shirtless brother who was getting oh, hammered okay. with all the Bills fans. The shirtless that's brother. Who, that's, that's who he was doing that to, right? Yeah, right. Much better television. <laughs> ah! That was 
was incredible. That was probably one of my favorite moments from the weekend. That or Patrick Mahomes getting pelted with snowballs by fans. <laughs> and, and, and enjoying the, it. Right? There was, and that's why I love this matchup so much. I could watch this about 20 more times. And I know that the Chiefs and Bills will look very different, likely, after the season because of obvious reasons. And you don't know what's going to happen with Andy Reid. You don't know what's going to happen with Travis Kelsey. But watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the way that they lead their teams, I want to see that battle over and over again. I'm it's with great you. TV. It really is. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And we are off and running here on 101 ESPN. By the way, Ravens 34, Texans 10 on Saturday. Niners over the Packers 24-21. Blues over the Capitals 3-0 on Saturday. And Saturday's basketball was bad. Florida over Mizzou 79-67. And... Uh, St. Louis, you got drilled on Friday night too, so they're 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 just things are not going well for them. No, are you okay, Rock? Kind of scuffling. <laughs> both 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 groups uh, kind of scuffling. Both eight and ten, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's 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 not great right now. Um, but hey, you know, can only get better. There's uh some <laughs> oh. so hopefully there's some JUCO movement on Slew's front, and so there's a, there's a lot of transfer you know uh, recruiting movement on Mizzou's front. So the future. There we go. There you go. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, why don't you go first? Number three. It was a nice weekend of really just relaxing and staying inside. And I got to do three of my favorite things, Randy. Mm-hmm. One, sushi. I had sushi this weekend. Okay. Well then I had Saturday football to watch, uh-huh. Sunday football to watch. And then I decided, and Rockless will make you so happy, I decided to get back into a show that I haven't watched in a long time because it's the 25th anniversary of... I am starting from the beginning of The Sopranos. So I would watch The Sopranos before I would watch (laughs) the football games. And then after the football games, I would go back to watching The Sopranos. How would that make me happy? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't it make Randy happy is all I'm asking. I feel like... Yeah, I could be really happy, know. couldn't it? I, I figured that you would like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, and so then all weekend, too, we would watch the games, or we would just be sitting around our, at home, and David and I would talk to each other in our Italian accents. Uh, is it even no, is it even Italian, like or is it just kind of soprano I accent? I don't like the, I don't like this image I have of you guys just walking Gabagoo. around. No, no. They see, said it a lot. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like you guys just walking around talking in the accents to each other. In Anyways, house. I haven't watched the Sopranos right. in forever. And so starting from the beginning, it was just a good week weekend of relaxing and doing that and watching football games. Who would the NFL's Tony Soprano be? Would it be like, it gotta be Teflon, but he gets stuff done. Is it Jerry Jones? Ooh. He doesn't care who he whacks. Yeah. Lacks empathy. Yep. And, and yeah. can put out a hit. Yeah. But I feel like Tony Soprano, and I know I'm at the very beginning, so don't don't spoil it for me, guys, but I feel like he actually has some feelings and he cares a little bit. Mm-hmm. His character. And what they're Mike trying to also. I don't uh, know. Does he? Yeah, maybe not. No, I'm gonna uh, go with more of a. I'm gonna go with. I, I, I'm gonna go with maybe the Ro- a Rooney or Amara, because I feel like he's old school. It's been it's been generations of Sopranos in that one thing, and plus. Kate and Rooney Mara look like they could be okay, a dead ringer yeah. for Meadow Soprano. Okay. So like, I, I feel like mm. it, it, it works in my head. I think the Roonies are too nice. They would never what have about, Okay, fine. Right. What about the Maras? Yeah, Either way. Yeah, we can do that. It's, it's great. Yeah. Now, I got to work on my 
Italian okay, accent. Let's, let's, no, let's, come on, give us a little so that we can gabagool. No, gabagool. <laughs> Good job. I see? can't do it because if gabagool. I, Randy, if I keep going, then yeah. it kind of turns into an Australian accent for whatever <laughs> reason. And so yeah. I, I was not doing a great job of it, but I promise I'm working on it so I can debut it maybe one day. Yeah, we'll do updates throughout the time you're watching <laughs> The Sopranos. Uh, Brooke, my number three is last night. Well, let me start with this. One of the great athletes in the history of St. Louis sports is Kristen Fokel, who was unbelievable. I mean, uh, great basketball player and volleyball player at Stanford. Could have done either at the Olympics. Wound up playing volleyball and was spectacular. Four state championships uh, in her high school years. And her coach at Stanford, Tara Vanderveer, picked up her 1,203rd victory yesterday. And by all accounts, Tara Vanderveer is just like an exceptionally cool, nice person. She passed Mike Krzyzewski on the all-time wins list for college basketball. And I just think it was so cool to see somebody who's just such a kind, nice person get that sort of accolade in passing Mike Krzyzewski and having it recognized like she did. So wow. that's my number three. Nice. Yeah, good for her. We should celebrate that. And yeah. also, it just always adds to it when you know it's a really good person right? Yeah. as well. And I've, I've Which, never... I mean, that's should go without saying, but sometimes, oh, sometimes, sometimes people that uh, set those kinds of marks don't wind up being the best quality no. people. Number two. My number two is going to be the Blues getting back in the win column. Now, I know it's not much to celebrate because we would like to see a win streak start to develop here, but you got to start somewhere if you're going to develop a win streak. Either way, I'd like to see Jordan Biddington bounce back in that game. His 14th career shutout in that game, too, after giving up four goals. Was that the Mm -hmm. other night prior against the Capitals? So I just at least like to see that. We were talking about who's a player that you at least you want to go. You're going to a Blues game. I want to see this player to me it's always jordan bennington yeah he's he's the blues shining star isn't he yes there's no doubt about it and to see him you get pick up 18 saves get the shutout was really cool against a team that even though the numbers aren't there they still have mm-hmm. legendary guys and they do. so uh, I, I still think that was cool uh brooke my number two also has to do with the blues and we had mike leud on the show on friday morning mm-hmm. before the blues hall of fame being at the blues hall of fame induction on friday night was so cool and i got a chance to go talk to mike leud and say you know because i'm 18 he's 25 and i'm saying you know you're only seven years older than me but you're my guy I, I, i'm a kid i mean i'm 18 years old and you are my guy because i loved watching mike leud play it was just so much fun but another thing and you you do this very well in our profession. It's so cool to be able to forge relationships with people that can do such exceptional things and to be able to uh, uh, celebrate this thing and see Keith Kachuk and to see Mike Leute, but then to be around people like Brett Hull, one of my mm-hmm. all-time favorites, uh, be around some of the all-time great blues, see Chris Pronger over there. It was really cool to be at that Hall of Fame induction and then see those guys just being, no, nobody's better at being funny in themselves than Brett Hull is, but just to be around that group of people that uh, I, when I was covering the team, was able to forge some relationships with. It was really special. And the stories. Yeah. I, I mean, I I enjoyed that conversation so much with Liu that we had the other day. I feel like you could just talk to him all day with just the endless amount of incredible stories that they have. Right, and I don't want to dismiss how cool it was that Pavel Dimitra's family was in town and he and Keith Kachuk were best friends Mm -hmm. and so to see Maya his wife and his two kids in town and his son was born here in St. Louis to see to see them and the emotion associated with with Pavel going into the Blues Hall of Fame was really cool that's what I was gonna say is what was that emotion like yeah it was it was palpable for everybody because he and Walt were such good friends and Chantel and Maya are such good friends, Keith Kachuk's wife. And so it was it was highly emotional. 
I, I heard the the stories were were so incredible. At one point, he was talking about how Pavel was was bragging about being the highest paid player whenever he goes back to his home country, <laughs> yeah. and Walt just goes, "Make me move." He goes, "All I need to do is move over there, and then you're second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. The, their their playful yeah. friendship was so incredible to hear about. And I had never heard Walt tell the story about Ladislav Nagy and Michael Hanzus get traded, a couple of fellow Slovaks, and he said. So his two best friends on the team get traded for me. He didn't talk to me for two weeks after I got here. (laughs) Pretty funny. I I really like the Blues Hall of Fame. I was kind of honestly surprised. I just assumed that they already had a Hall of Fame because of, Mm -hmm. you know, the franchise history they had. So I'm glad that they have gotten this started because there's so many players. I mean, we've gone through the list before of who should get in. It's like, I mean, how do you even pick from these guys? But I especially like the Blue Jackets and then they have the memories on the inside. Oh, so cool. Yeah, Yeah. I like that a lot. And congratulations to former character intern Mike Caruso, Blues yeah. Vice President, and uh, Chris Zimmerman and the whole crew over there. They do an, an absolutely magnificent job. They number do. one. My number one is going to be the game last night. Randy, I was saying it earlier, I cannot get enough of the drama of the theater, everything that is Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I want to see that so many times because it was so exciting. I don't have any interest in, e- in either team. You guys know I'm a Titans fan, yeah. so it's weird that I would even be this interested, but I like to see two go- quarterbacks, what they're doing right now. It's just a never-ending story. All the theatrics of it throughout the game, too. It was a great game. Back and forth, you knew it was going to come down to one final moment Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened there but then seeing Jason Kelsey shirtless (laughs) in that suite with Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes if you would have shown me that photo or that video last year I'd say what in the world is going Mm -hmm. on here what is happening and I know that both of these teams will look very different next season but either way we're still going to have this great matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, I believe for a while, it's must-watch must TV, just like The Sopranos. And, <laughs> and Brooke, you use such a great word in theatrics because it is theater. Every time they play, go back to the uh, Kadarius Tony offsides mm. and, and what an epic game that was. They're the great play and how Buffalo won that. And obviously 13 seconds. We all know what 13 seconds are. Every time Kansas City and Buffalo play, it's great theater. I love it. It's pretty awesome. And my number one, Brooke, you've been working out a lot. You've been on the Stairmaster a lot, right, mm-hmm. lately. You you work out, and I've been trying to get cardio in as well. I've been, I, I went to the Y yesterday and, and got some cardio in. Uh, my highlight for the weekend is getting my workout in this morning at, uh, <laughs> at 545. That was it? That's, that's, that's going to be your workout? Yeah, no Stairmaster for you today. No, I, 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 I did more. I did more. <laughs> you like the Stairmaster now, though, don't you? I do like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a Stairmaster guy. I like, because I sweat more on the Stairmaster than any other cardio machine. It makes you feel like you're accomplishing something. I don't right. I don't know. Something I sweat more on that too than on the treadmill or anything else. I feel like I'm accomplishing something on the Stairmaster besides pain. Here's well, but you're the, the pain is there too. You're yes, accomplishing of that. Of course. But here's the thing. I believe and I've been told that when you sweat, you're actually eliminating you're sweating toxins out of your body. Oh yeah. And so if we if we're eliminating toxins, I don't know, I don't care how we do it. Uh, even if I we aren't really doing it, if we're just thinking we I think I'm doing it. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Um, so that's you what we love about think the weekend. I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought of something. Okay. Okay. Yes, and you yes. are from the. You were recently from the TV world. Uh-huh. On a morning like this, shouldn't morning shows be outside? 
Oh, don't don't say that out loud, Randy. Don't do that to my former colleagues. I see Maurice Drummond on the TV right now. Don't don't put that out there. He's gonna have to go out on the road. I I can tell you that days like this, one I I can't speak for all the meteorologists in the area, but Steve Templeton does such a great job. That man literally will stay at the station all night long through the morning. I don't think that he's there this morning, but Leah does a great job as well. And he puts in so much work and effort. And then they always have the reporters that go out there too into the elements telling you not to come out. to. This isn't just a KMOV thing. This is TV stations in general where they tell you, don't come outside, but then they're outside. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to throw everybody outside, Randy. Just put a news desk out there. (laughs) You just want to see them do what you had to do this morning, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) That's basically what I'm saying. No doubt about it. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that's three things we loved about the weekend. Coming up, what a weekend in the National Football League. Four downs from the NFL next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke and Randy and four downs from this weekend in the National Football League. First down. Brooke. This is the time of year where defense really does come into play. And as great as Kansas City was in the second half last night, and Buffalo was really good in the second half too, nothing like what the Baltimore Ravens did to the Houston Texans. In Houston, we all talked about how great C.J. Stroud and that Houston offense was. Well, in the second half on Saturday, the Houston Texans were shut out. They had 68 second-half yards, 44 through the air for C.J. Stroud. Mike McDonald and that defense buckled down, and they shut the Texans down. And that's the big concern for Kansas City next week. It's not necessarily Lamar Jackson. What you're trying to do is contain him. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. But the key for Baltimore is always going to be their defense. And with as much as that Kansas City offense has struggled this year, I wonder how they're going to do against a Ravens defense that has really stepped up their game. And the worst thing that could happen for the 
Chiefs this coming weekend is for Marlon Humphrey, their best cornerback in Baltimore, mm-hmm. to get healthy. But, man, 213 yards allowed on the game for the Ravens. 175 total uh, passing yards allowed to the Texans. And, again, 68 total yards, 44 passing yards in the second half, and most importantly, zero points. 10-10 game at halftime, winds up 34-10 to at the end. Well, and you can't forget about the other difference maker on the other side of the ball with Lamar Jackson, <laughs> what he was able to do. Because when I was talking about earlier about narratives being squashed this weekend, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and you know playing on the road in a playoff game. But also Lamar Jackson, that narrative was still hanging over his head of just one playoff win in his career. And the way that he was able to really orchestrate mounting that comeback, mm-hmm. especially after halftime, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, he was fantastic. And by the way, they only allowed the three points on defense. But one thing about Lamar, there's an old line that I used to use all the time. Ken Stabler said it. He said, I've never mm-hmm. seen an old running quarterback. I don't think Lamar has to be a running quarterback anymore. Now, no. does it help? Does he score a couple of running, rushing touchdowns? Yes. But I believe that he can throw with anybody. And his mobility within the pocket really is all he yes. needs. He, he can really wing it now. Yeah. And for the Texans, too, just want to say, this was a fantastic season for them. I don't think anybody was expecting this result. I'm still so excited about C.J. Stroud. I think the biggest difference maker, and I don't know if you feel about this too with the Texans, is they just really had a lack of a running game. Yep. And they have a pretty good offensive line. I think Devin Singletary, he couldn't do it in Buffalo. He's a, he's a nice complimentary back, but he's not a guy to lean on. And I think that would be a good place for the Texans to start. I believe they traded their first-round pick to Arizona to get Will Anderson uh, last year in the draft. So they might not have a number one, mm-hmm. but you can always get a running back in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. You need, But they do need a, a stud running back there. They could really use uh, Cody Schrader. Oh, <laughs> My second down is going to be the Lions advancing to their first NFC championship since 1991. Congrats to the Lions. I I have been saying this is one of the most exciting teams. I really love their grittiness and also the flash and pizzazz that they have. You like that? Pizzazz? Pizzazz, oh, yeah, they got There you it. go. That sounds like something off of Sopranos. But I really <laughs> like Dan Campbell a lot, too, and I've been saying that all season. I think the identity of this group and of Dan Campbell's toughness was on display, Randy, in that third quarter. Remember, down around the, down around the goal line, the game was tied at 10, fourth down, and Dan Campbell decides to go for it with his third back. Craig Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a display, and he did that. They ran the ball down their throats, and to me, that's saying playing my man is better than your man football. Yeah, And totally. I think that that really displays the toughness that you've seen this season from Dan Campbell and the belief that he has built up with his players that you can see that they know, okay, if, if he's putting me in this situation, I'm going to make sure that I make it work. But then also this rookie group that they have had this season and getting the most out of them. Of course, we know Sam Laporta, what he's been able mm-hmm. to do. He's emerged as one of the league's best young tight ends out there. But then Jameer Gibbs, what he's been able to do, and then he's not a rookie, but still, talking about Montgomery, that combination, that was a huge difference in the second half. Mm-hmm. Them really rushing the ball and establishing that is what made the difference in the game to me. But I just love that moment by Dan Campbell where I felt like that was an identity moment for them where, once again, you're showing my guys are better than your guys. So much of the sport 
is chemistry as well, right? And you talked about how he's fostered just a, an esprit de corps with the Lions that we don't see a lot these days in pro sports. It's really hard to get people to be a family. And it, these players talk about it. it. It appears that they really like and are willing to sacrifice for each other. They are, yeah. I, I feel like this team just feels really different and mm-hmm. dangerous because you're getting the most out of those rookies. So if they continue to play at this level, then I think mm-hmm. that says a lot about them. Third down. Well, Brooke, we have several Buffalo Bills fans, hardcore Buffalo Bills fans in our building, most notably Donnie Fandango, who's mm-hmm. on the Last Minute Blues podcast. And I hate to say this to them, but last night, the window of opportunity for this iteration of the Buffalo Bills closed. Next year, Josh Allen's cap number goes from $27 million to $47 million. Uh, Stefan Diggs goes from $17 million to $27.8 million. Von Miller's cap number goes up to $23.7 million. Two of their offensive linemen, uh, Deion Dink, uh, Dawkins goes up to 16.6. Mitch Morse goes up to 11.4. You just can't keep everybody. And unfortunately, uh, and by the way, their two safeties, Poyer and Hyde, are you can't bring them back because of age and salary, they're going to have to start drafting like Kansas City does in mm-hmm. Baltimore, and they're going to have to replace people. Think about Kansas City losing Tyreek Hill and losing Teron Matthew and losing Eric Fisher and having losing Orlando Brown this year and still being in the AFC Championship game. And Buffalo's going to have to start hitting on draft choices late in the first round, but every single draft choice if they want to keep going. They're always going to have a chance with Josh Allen, but the the Super Bowl window of opportunity for this group closed last night. It did. And Diggs is gone. I think yeah, we I all think so. realize yeah. that, right? Yeah. Which is a shame because he's their second most important player, I would argue. Now, maybe James Cook has become their second most, but mm-hmm. for most of the last three or four years, Diggs has been, aside from Allen, their most important guy. It'll be interesting to see yeah. what they do. But fourth down. down. Fourth down. Fourth down. Yeah, this is the fourth yeah. down. We, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we're entertaining you, Rock. <laughs> you remember where we're at. I'm just giving you some crap. I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, Randy, I'm going to steal a saying from you because I think it's the best way to describe what happened with the 49ers this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. And mm-hmm. the baby is winning that game yep. for the 49ers. Was it the prettiest of games? No, because you also lost Debo Samuel in that game. But some of the biggest questions surrounding Brock Purdy and the 49ers this weekend, I believe were answered in this game. Can they come from behind? They did that, mm-hmm. Randy. And by the way, this is an interesting stat. Kyle Shanahan was 0 for 30 in his head coaching career when his team trailed by 7 plus points entering the fourth quarter. That doesn't seem like a real stat. I wonder but how is. many losses he has in his career. That might be all of his losses. <laughs> it really might be. Also, another question answered. Can they play without Debo Samuel? They had to in that game because he got injured in the first quarter. Can they mount a game-winning drive when they need it? And Brock Purdy and the 49ers were able to do that. Now, I do completely understand that he has a ton of weapons around him. You can talk about Kittle and Ayuk and what they were able to do in the game. Even Juwan Jennings had a great, huge moment there. McCaffrey is McCaffrey. He was your workhorse per usual. Jake Moody had a clutch 52-yard field goal. And I know that Drake Greenlaw had that game-sealing interception. But at the end of the day... The result led to the 49ers winning. Now, can Brock Purdy throw in the rain? 
I think that that's a fair question. How about him being able to, as he's preparing to throw, actually draw during a play? Yeah. He, he hits the towel with his hand and then puts his hand back on the football to throw it. Yeah. I I don't. What can you do about that? During practice, you just drench the football with the water constantly just to so get prepare him prepared for, it. for yeah, that. Right. Supposedly, it's going to be sunny so for the next game. So he should be fine. But there was definitely some moments that were bad, especially that first drive. Did you see that, Randy? The yeah. first drive that should have been a pick six, but the Packers dropped it. Mm-hmm. It and worked he had out his glove for them on that on that one. So, what do you think? Was it luck, or was this the 49ers doing what they needed to do in this game? I think they did what they needed to do. They're so good, and they have been now for five years. I don't think it's luck when they win, and you need breaks to go your way if you're going to be a championship club. Every championship club needs breaks to go their way, and sometimes when you're good, that sort of stuff just happens. And by the way, it's happened for the Packers a lot over the years too. But if you're, you, you got to catch the ball. You, you've mm-hmm. got you got to get the pick, and they didn't. So uh, I just find it I yeah, find it interesting that people are still finding a way to really you know poke holes with Brock Purdy. Was it a good game? No. It was probably one of, not his best of a season, but at the end of the day, if you're able to do what he was able to do there at the end and still get your team in a position to win, is that not what matters? What you do in clutch moments, the greatest quarterbacks that you think mm-hmm. about, the first thing you think about is not their numbers. You think about those clutch moments that they were able to lead their team to a win. And Brooke, let's look at it from this perspective. As great as those that that talent is, especially the wideouts for San Francisco. And let's keep in mind that Debo wasn't there. Didn't Tampa Bay have great talent yesterday? Yes. And what did Baker Mayfield do? Would Baker Mayfield? Shaky bakey. There you go. Would Baker Mayfield do what Brock Purdy's doing? I don't think so. Mm-mm. There's a reason that some guys are playing in championship games and some guys aren't. And when you protect the football, and if I'm not mistaken, he's undefeated. Purdy is when he doesn't throw yes. a pick. Yes, which is a which is a crazy stat yeah, in itself. It yeah. is. But if you protect the football and you're a quarterback and then you get it into the hands of your talented people, you're going to succeed. And he does that. And by the way, he makes some unbelievable throws. Yeah. There's, he makes throws that other people just mediocre quarterbacks don't make. He he makes the he's making throws that Mahomes and Lamar and Josh Allen make. He's dropping dimes. So don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Kyle Shanahan, 51 <laughs> losses in his career. So, uh, But the 30 of those that's, before... That's yeah. crazy. Isn't that wild? That, now, that has to be just bad luck at that point, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it's you just a mental back. thing? Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, when the greatest show on turf was going on, people used to complain about that, that Kurt Warner never brought the team back in the fourth quarter. That's because they were always up by 20 in the fourth quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got to kind of look at the fine print of that stat, huh? (laughs) Exactly, no doubt. That's Brooke, I'm Randy, and that's four downs from the NFL. Coming up, we aren't getting here. We want a traffic report? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Let's get the jet copter up there. Uh, Oh, there's a a truck. There's a truck on Olive uh, going westbound. There's a truck. Oh, and there's a a truck with salt and a a plow. Uh, Folks, not... Not much going on on Olive Boulevard. No. Not much going on on the highway. Certainly not much going on on my street. I'll tell you what, there's a cab that's stuck, but that's about it. Oh, and maybe no. a guy walking up and slipping and sliding. Oh, no, he's already done this. He's already done that. Yeah. Uh, and there's another car on Olive. But not much out there. But you know what? Uh, you can still text in. You can still check in with us. I'm Captain Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN Jet Copter 2. Randy, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like if, if you can get to like a main road, 
life isn't the worst thing out there. No. But the question I believe is, can get you it. get to the can main road? And I had no chance this morning. Yeah. If, if I would have driven, I would not be here. That's why you heard that shriek in you city at like <laughs> 6.30 this did morning. Us, did you give us an eek? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good? much that. Good. Uh, hey, thanks for being with us, Matthew. Uh, let's see. We've got Teoli coming up. Uh, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Teoli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Grimsley, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN and your second alert weather. It is icy outside. Second alert. We don't don't need it first. We just need it right. There you go. Yeah. Second alert. I like that as well. We should go out to a live report to see what it's like on the roads. Oh, you want to do that again? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, we don't even need the jet, jet copter. Do you want me to just intro it to yeah, you so yeah. you can describe yeah. why people shouldn't go out yeah. on the roads and what they need today? <laughs> yeah. We go live over to Randy Carricker yeah. over on Olive Boulevard. Randy, how is it out there today? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Brooke, I just, I just Brooke, Brooke, I just fell. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great TV, honestly. The ratings would go through the roof. Man, if there were video on me, this morning oh, oh man that was i was I, I actually did laugh a little bit i wait i actually do have a ring camera i probably could get video of me oh. shrieking this morning <laughs> i was freaking out it was not great all right uh brooke so you mentioned earlier sean desai has been fired as a defensive coordinator he'd already mm-hmm. been demoted as defensive coordinator of the eagles and word that matt patricia their nominal defensive coordinator after the demotion of sean desai is exploring other options take it or leave it other options mean working for bill belichick somewhere <laughs> i'm going to take that i think that he is ready to get out of there seems like there's a lot of stuff that was going on with the eagles now that you see everything that comes out you mentioned sean desai but then apparently jalen hurts and Johnson didn't get along or see eye to eye on things. It's now now that you're having all this come out, it makes a lot of sense about why they it really felt like they weren't playing for each other towards the end there. You could tell there was a lot of tension happening. Yeah, and there was questions about the leadership of Jalen Hurts, and he might have to change his MO in terms of leading. It's a lot easier to lead when you're winning. But you need of to course. lead people out of uh, out of the depths when things are not going well, and uh, people were really questioning his his leadership ability. And there are some really good young defensive minds out there that kind of fit what the what the Eagles are. So I would think that Sirianni and and Lurie and Roseman can come up with a good answer to fix their defense. Yeah, it just didn't look like. And we were talking about Jalen Hurts. I think that one of his benefits. We always have this discussion of what you would want in a player. Do you want somebody who is not that. He's not still passionate because, of course, he has to be to play at that level. But he's so even keeled that it's a good thing when you're in tough situations. But sometimes there's situations that call for having that where you have that extreme high or low 
flow to really drive the most out of your teammate. Just think about last night. And we could argue, and we can go back and forth on this, but if you're naming the top five quarterbacks in the league, arguably Mahomes and Allen are there, right? Yes. Those guys are supporting their teammates as quarterbacks. When Josh Allen throws a touchdown pass to Tupac Shakir, he's uh, he's running down and giving him a big giant hug. Mahomes is engaged with his team. Patrick Mahomes goes over to he's not sitting on the bench. He's going over to his defense and says, "Hey, you get a stop here, and we're going to win this game." Yeah. I just think that the quarterback needs to be the leader of the whole team. And to me, and maybe I'm wrong because we don't see the bench all the time, but every time I see Jalen Hurts, he's frowning on the bench. And uh, when I see him throw a touchdown pass, he's just walking right back to the sideline. He's not being what he's I He's not would, energetic. Uh, he's not a cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. Right? And maybe he just needs to have a little bit more of that. Yeah. Just a, a tad bit more. Yeah. So take it or leave it, kind of talking about the culture of a locker room or a clubhouse. After everything that you heard from John Mosaylock and Matt Carpenter this weekend, take it or leave it, there was some issues that even more so than we thought last season with the Cardinals clubhouse, yeah, because I'm, they are really emphasizing clubhouse culture this offseason. That has been the big theme this offseason. Lance Lynn, they talked about that. They talked about that with Kyle Gibson. They talked about that now with Matt Carpenter. They talked about that with Sonny Gray, which is also very important. I understand the importance of that. But then it makes you think, what was going on in the clubhouse mm-hmm. last season outside of the stuff that we knew? Well, and Brooke, think about what Ali said publicly on the record he said we need to get rid of those people that are only concerned about themselves and that tells me that they need more team guys and especially when you're older i would think that there's you have more cachet with young players who are going to look up and maybe play more of a team style of game rather than worrying only about yourself worrying about your save situation or worrying about your hamstring or whatever your injury might be maybe you're more concerned with just winning baseball games and sacrificing for your teammates. So you take it, right? Yes. That there's yeah, something there, there else was, going on. I'm going to take it that there was a yeah, there's something but there last year. There was veterans there last year, Randy. But it, Mo brought up, and we're going to talk about this in our next segment. Of course, he did say yes. that maybe there was just too much on the plate of one guy. He didn't even mention two guys. He just no, maybe, maybe one. too much on the plate of of Paul Goldschmidt. So I'm totally going to take it. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got on the text line there? Are not uh, because people aren't on the road and are te- maybe not texting and driving. Uh, is the te- number of texts down today? Actually, it's a, it's about the same. Okay, really. okay I, think it, I think it was a combination of people yeah. maybe still sleeping and a lot of people having their phones out instead of being on the road. So I think it's it's balancing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it or leave it. If the Bills would fire McDermott, that would be the most attractive job in the NFL. Yeah. Oh. Take it. Yeah. Because you've got Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen, greater than Justin Herbert. Do you think that they would fire him? I can't imagine that they would. No, that that one doesn't go on him. And he's so invested. Did you see his press conference last night? He had clearly been crying Mm -hmm. before he went in to talk to the media. Yeah. No, that wasn't. That that game's not on him. You're playing the Chiefs. And you you lost by three and your kicker missed a field goal with a minute left. That one's that wasn't a coaching issue last night. They didn't they didn't get out coached. No. Taylor Lee, the next Super Bowl winning team out of the state of Texas are the Texans. Take it. Ooh. Yeah, unless, well, can I be mean this morning? Yes. Yeah, do it. Do unless it, Jerry do Jones it. dies. Oh, oh no. I didn't expect that. No. <laughs> no. That's our fault. But as you mentioned, Brooke, 
Yes. Even though he's he might not be with us, he'll still be with us. He always will be because of AI Jerry Jones. <laughs> I think it's very purposeful that he has launched AI Jerry Jones so he can go around and continue to do what he wants to do. Can you imagine, Randy, just for a second here, can you imagine just, I don't know, I'm not trying to pick a specific date for his death, but let's just say 2030 or something like that. He's passed away, but still... Here comes AI Jerry Jones rolled out for a press conference about how he's talking about how he's disappointed that they got knocked out of the playoffs again. I'm floored. I'm floored by that. I would love to see it. Because yeah, you have to, right? Yeah, right. And you in, know his, in his yeah. memory. You, you're right. Yeah. RIP. Thoughts and prayers. You know what's really interesting, though, is that real Jerry and AI Jerry both are missing hearts. <laughs> they, oh. <laughs> they can't put that in the AI. No, My you can't. Or, and they clearly didn't put one in this one either. <laughs> the, the, the real, quote unquote, real one. Take it, real. take it or leave it. When you take out guys like Jack Flaherty and Tyler O'Neill and adding guys like Carpenter, you get a better locker room. Well, um, Ooh, yeah. I, that's a toughie. I, I, I would say O'Neill. Jack Flaherty's teammates like him. They do. They really do. Now, there are some guys that aren't there anymore uh, that I don't think... I don't think that they were disliked by their teammates, but I don't think they were the best people for the team. Let me Ooh. put it that way. Name them. Jordan Hicks. I'm living yeah. for this this morning. Yeah. Hicksie is exceptionally talented. But you saw his numbers, right, over the, over the years. Yes. And he's he's a really good guy, but he wanted to. And Carrie mentioned this all the time. He wanted to be a closer or a starter, and he he really wasn't didn't appear to be as much about the team as no. he was about Jordan. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that there was a lot of circumstances. And I know that people will say, okay, well, Jack Flaherty, he even admitted in that interview recently that he felt like he was the reason why. I'm gonna be really honest. It shouldn't have gotten to that point where you had to get on a couch with Adam Wainwright, Ollie Marmal, and Wilson Contreras to solve this. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. No. It and there was never. also bigger issues yeah. there. And that's management and communication. That's management 101 is making sure that the message is the same for everybody. And especially when you're in a front-facing public business, you need to make that message clear to your customers, us. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is that we, we heard... Going into this blue season, that getting out certain, getting rid of certain players, and it's a better locker room overall, and that equates to a 500 hockey team mm-hmm. because the talent level isn't there. How much does the locker room matter if the talent level just isn't it doesn't. there? If, if the talent isn't That's there, my thing. the thing is though. Bad chemistry can mess up a talented group. It can. Okay, well, look but, at the Padres last season. There was a lot of stars go. on that right. team, but the yep. chemistry, remember all the reports about mm-hmm. how bad the chemistry is? With that lineup, they should have been way better than they were. No doubt about it. That's a great comp. And then conversely, you can have the sweetest group of guys in the world, but if they aren't Boy talented, Scout. it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> take it or leave it. Um if we just had heated rows, this morning wouldn't have been a problem. Oh, <laughs> Rock, did you text this in? I did not. No, you did I did text this in. I did not text it in. It's on the text line. I just, I love let's it when there's, to see if it's your when there's phone continuity number. across shows like this. And, and Matthew, here, let's, <laughs> and Brooke, let's look at this from a broader perspective. Isn't uh, every time we have like a politician say, okay, we need to improve the economy. Don't they always talk about infrastructure and roads and stuff like that? Yeah. So why not? You could employ a ton of people. 
building, making, manufacturing, and installing heated roads. Well, we just got we got to figure out the pothole situation first. If we can at least have a department for the potholes, the then I, I'm all for it. Potholes are a result of the road expanding because it's cold. Oh, but then water also causes it, and the normal erosion. But if your if, you, if your roads are heated, yeah, you don't have to worry about that water as much because it just flows off. I like that idea. So we should make this thinking. happen. This is why we should be in politics, Randy and yeah. Rock. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. This, we we this definitely is should. Yeah, they would love me. <laughs> Matthew, thank you very much. You got one more that, that you love? I do. Or? I okay. really like this one. Take it or leave it. Schilt's emphasis on the little things is what San Diego needs to get over the hump. I'm going to take that now. Losing Juan Soto doesn't help. <laughs> no. But, yes, they will be. And Bob Melvin. He's a good manager, too. So he, he just couldn't get things going there. But I think Mike Schilt's touch and his communicative abilities, ball talk with his players, mm-hmm. I think will benefit the Padres substantially. Now, when you lose, they lost three starting pitchers or four? They lost Nick Martinez. They lost Snell. They lost Waka. Lost somebody else, I think. Uh, so they... They they aren't going to be as talented as they were last year, but fundamentally, I think they'll be more solid in San Diego. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to have to take it, too. I think what that texture said is exactly right. The little details is what made the huge difference for the Cardinals and Shield during his time there. Definitely. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, Matt Carpenter is back, baby. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a mic drop with your 101 ESPN app. Give us your take on MARP being back, and we'll also take your text, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! We're going to give you our opinions. Mine might surprise you. Next on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Well, when you look at our everyday club, and you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato, and, and you know, again, referencing back, back to the Pujols Molina comments earlier, I, I feel like last year those two guys were kind of left with having to to pick up a lion's share of this. Um, well, they were, and just having that being able to spread out was something that I think was important. And so, you know, as we were looking at who this type of person could be, you know, Carp understands exactly the cardinal way of doing things and and what he was brought up with but he also understands you know the group of players we have this cardinals pobo john mozalock friday on the heels of the cardinals signing marp matt carpenter to a one-year contract to as Mo just suggested there, add some leadership ability to the squad. That's important, Randy. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. My first initial reaction when I saw the news was 
I had to double check the calendar first uh-huh. off because I thought that maybe during a nap I traveled back in time years, a wee maybe? bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2014? <laughs> just traveled back in time a wee bit. So I was surprised, and I think everybody was initially at first. But then after that, I wasn't surprised because, Randy, that's been the theme of this offseason, but also what the Cardinals do in the past. When he mentioned Albert Pujols, when he mentioned, I mean, we got Adam Wainwright, his final ride. It's what the Cardinals do. So then it's not as shocking when you think about it in that regard. So, Brooke, let me tell you, when I first saw the email, I thought, oh, he's going to sign a one-day contract with the Cardinals and retire. Did you think that? I did. And I really I did. On, I yeah. put it on Twitter. This is real. It, because then the other thing I thought was, I'm being trolled here. That <laughs> Somebody just sends yeah. you specifically yeah, yeah. a fake email. Yeah. So I, I had to put it on. I, I double checked. And yeah, so I, I, I put it on social media that it was real. And then, Brooke, as you know, I have been whining about the middle class of baseball being priced out. And I've been talking about how a team can get themselves a distinct advantage by having a guy that can come off the bench and provide them a professional at bat. So I'm trying to find a way. I'm trying everything I can to defend this, okay? To say, okay, here's why the Cardinals did it. Here's why this is worthwhile. Then I, unfortunately, go to baseball reference. Mm Mm-hmm. Matt Carpenter in his career as a pinch hitter is 26 for 147. That's a 177 batting average. Uh, Five home runs, 31 runs batted in. Okay? Uh, A 685 OPS. 685 OPS as a pinch hitter in his career. Last year, Brooke, Matt Carpenter's batting average in 13 at-bats with the Padres... Yeah, he was 0 for 13. He had a 235 on base, a 235 OPS as a pinch hitter. So can I say to the legions of Cardinal fans that are tuned into the opening drive that this is a guy that you can count on for a professional bat off the bench? No, not at at this stage of his career. So what Moe said, if this is the approach, this guy better be Gandhi. Right? He better be like the greatest leader of all time. He better be able to walk on water and, and lead these guys, you know, through whatever. Uh, he better be like the, 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 I don't know who the greatest leader in the history of sports is. Mark Messier. He better be the Mark Messier of, of baseball. <laughs> if, if that's what he was signed for as the 26th hitter, and by the way, hopefully he'll, 26 week season. 26 at-bats. Hopefully that's about it. If everybody stays healthy, then his leadership should step step to the fore. Problem is, when the Cardinals had Tom Lawless in 1987, if you don't play, how can you lead? Mm-hmm. Right? It's hard. So I just don't get it. And I like Matt Carpenter. I, I, he's one of the nicest people you could ever run across. And he does have leadership ability. My question is, if, if he's not playing, how can he be a leader? And Sure, he knows the players, but do the players know him? Does Jordan Walker really know Matt Carpenter? Does Mason Wynn know Matt Carpenter? Does Brendan Donovan know Matt Carpenter? I don't know how many of the Cardinal players really look at him and say, man, there's a guy that's a guy that we should follow. I hope that they look at him that way, but I don't know why they would. <laughs> so you're saying that we're not going to get the Bronx, even the Bronx, I'm trying to think of most recent, Bronx version of Marp where he hit, what was it, 15 home runs and 57 games and hit 305. We're not going to get that version of him, Randy? He hit those in like the easiest ballpark to hit home runs in. This <laughs> or, is one of the most Or what difficult. about his walk rate last year, Randy? 17.3%. 
he he has a good eye. And maybe, maybe the lack of the shift will allow him to come back to Bush Stadium and be a representative hitter. But here's the thing. If everybody's healthy, when and where are you going to play him? Is he ever going to DH in place of Nolan Gorman? To me, if Nolan Gorman isn't your DH against right-handers, uh, he, he doesn't hit against mm-hmm. left-handers. I don't think you put him there. I'm not so sure that you can play him at third or first anymore. Maybe he fills in at second for Donovan sometimes. But again, left-hander, right-hander, I don't know. I just And I hope it works out. And again, I look at this. Hopefully, he's a guy that only gets 26 to 50 yes. at-bats. Well, and that's what Mo said. Yeah. That's that's the thing is that it's not about the numbers. They made that very clear. It's not mm-hmm. about the numbers. It's his presence that he will bring to the clubhouse. Well, then why isn't he a coach? That's a great question. He'll be a player coach. You're just yeah. paying him the league minimum. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And But here's the other part of this that I think is very interesting because they really emphasize the culture. And we talked about that, that the veteran presence, that has been the theme mm-hmm. this offseason. And this is what Mo had to say about the players who wanted him here. Yeah, so my relationship with those guys is always to, you know, understand what they're thinking, what they're hearing. And, and so that was part of it. Also talking with Ollie um, was part of that. And, um, you know, but when you have people that are advocating for you to be on this club, that's helpful. And I, I do think um, a lot of, of what they were telling me makes a lot of sense in, in trying to address it. So, um, you know, I'm hoping it works and I'm hoping he can be successful both in the clubhouse and on the field. So he's talking about Paul Goldschmidt and he goes on to further explain that Paul Goldschmidt, he felt like was taking the weight of a lot of that vocal leadership mm-hmm. last season. It's interesting that he also mentions later on that Nolan Arenado, this is this is something that Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado wanted, including Oliver Marmol mm-hmm. as well. What does that tell you about the state of the clubhouse? Well, he did say, Mo, that there was too much of the leadership role that was placed on the shoulders of Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. And that might be, and maybe Marp can handle that. But clearly, Marp can handle some of that. He's a veteran guy. He's been around the block, and he's he knows the game, and he's, like I said, a really good guy, and, and teammates love him. Great teammate. I mean, a fantastic yes. teammate. The other part of this is we saw Nolan Gorman regress last year. I don't, I, I think Nolan Gorman might be a follower, and I think you might need to have a guy in that room. And Gorman and Marp are tight. They vacationed together. They were tight before Arenado came here. They might just need a guy to pacify Nolan Arenado. Did I say Gorman? I meant Arenado. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nolan Arenado might not be a leader. I'm not sure. I think he's more lead by example. Just yeah. based off of just what I can yep. see, just what I have observed, he mm-hmm. is more lead by example. And I think he's also very hard on himself. We heard that a mm-hmm. lot last season about how he definitely, you could see it. He was beating himself up for his own personal performance because yep. I think he truly believes that if he's not doing well, then the team yep. won't do well. And he might need a blankie. He, oh, he, Randy! I'm, I'm, <laughs> look, at Randy. Lo- look at it logically. He... he he opted in last year. Uh-huh. He he looked miserable at times. He really did. Yeah. He didn't perform very well. Mm-hmm. So and off to his standards. I mean, he, he was the best cardinal, but to his standards, he did not perform very well. And there's a lot of guys out there that just need something to comfort them as they go through a six-month season. And this might be what they needed for Nolan Arnauto. Doesn't winning cure a lot of this stuff, too? Winning winning solves everything. Doesn't having maybe some more bullpen help 
that could lead to more winning, which you wouldn't have to worry about maybe a lot of this other stuff. I know that the bullpen doesn't solve everything, but mm-hmm. we definitely saw where it cost them a lot of games last yeah. season. And I, I guarantee you Marp isn't making money. I, He's not. He's making the league minimum. Yeah. So it's it's really kind of a no-risk situation right. for the 26 man. Yeah, and anything they have in the budget, they can still go out. This is not going to affect their ability to, to go get a reliever. So no. hope, this could work out really well for the Cardinals. And I'm not saying from a baseball standpoint on the field, but from a personality standpoint, because of the people that you brought up, Lance Lynn is a really good guy for young starting pitchers to watch. Kyle Gibson is a consummate professional and a great guy, taking over as president of Big League Impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sonny Gray works really hard. He's already taken a leadership role with the people down in Nashville, right? Yeah. Going, taking him to the gym and, and stuff. And, and you add a guy like Chris or, um, uh, Matt Carpenter, who rebuilt his swing and resurrected his career by spending an offseason working hard. It could work out really well if people are willing to observe. If young players are willing to observe the players that the Cardinals have brought in, this could work out really well. It could. Or it could just really turn into nothing. And if you have to play him... Hopefully, here's my thing. Hopefully, if there's an injury and you need a left-handed hitter, it's still Alec Burleson rather than Marp. Because I think Marp, in terms of being a productive, everyday MLB player, I think those days are past. I agree. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this coming up at 9.15. We'd love to hear your mic drops and your take on the Cardinals reacquiring Matt Carpenter. But coming up next, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, opening drive, 101 ESPN, and standing by is your voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, who, along with John Kelly, did a sensational job at the Blues Hall of Fame induction on Friday night over at the MAC. Kerbs, good morning, congratulations, and what a fun night that was. Yeah, Randy, it really was a, a great night, and, you know, it was so different from last year. La- last year we had, of course, so many people because we were obviously inducting the, all the retired numbers. And then you had Scotty Bowman and Red Berenson and Gary Unger and, you know, and, and, and the Solomons and company. Like, like there were so many that it, that it was such a jam, the event with stories and people and an amazing history. This one was, was I think, even better just because with the three going in, we really got to get into some details with Mike Liute and, and Keith Kachuk and then and, and to hear some great stories about Pavel Dimitra. So uh, a real special. And by the way, that, that's a, that Blues fan that came up from Lake of the Ozarks mm-hmm. to deliver the jersey to Pavel Dimitra's family and, uh, from his 2002 All-Star game. I I saw that story and I just couldn't believe it. Like, I, I just, man, I, lo- I love St. Louis sports fans. I love Midwest values. And, and I, I thought, like, take all the greatness of the Hall of Fame weekend that we had that story might have topped it all. Yeah, that was fantastic. And the Blues have it up on their social medias if you want to take a look. The the fan presenting the jersey to uh, Pavel's widow, Maya. Uh, Curbs, I also thought, and you're a pro, I've always thought of you as a pro, but when you can just turn things over to Brett Hull and let him be the MC, I think that's a, that's a great play. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's Sometimes you go, 
Brett, take it away. <laughs> but, you know, like, man, there's just so much greatness with that man. Like, he just, you know, I, I've said this. Can you imagine being so good at what you do and what you did, right, that you just said whatever came to mind and you didn't worry about it? And this is before the days of getting canceled and all that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and you didn't care. And you just said it. Why? Because you backed it up everywhere you go. And when he sits up there and when you have Brett Hall at a blues event, he still loves this organization as much as any organization he played for. He still has immense pride in it. He is a major reason that youth hockey and all the rinks are around town the way they are. And, and that, that legacy is important, but, Man, is he larger than life and oh. just brings out the best in people. And Curbs, one other thing, and congratulations to the family of Pavel Dimitra and to Keith Kachuk and to Mike Liut. But I was talk- I had a, a great conversation with Mike Liut, and I never really put it in this perspective because he's 68 now, I'm 61. And I was telling him, I said, you know, you were 25 and I was 18 and you were my guy. I said, I, I revered you, and I still do, by the way, because as a youngster, I just loved him. But it, it, isn't it weird how we can be so close in age and because of their athletes, we look at them as bigger and maybe even older than we th- than they are. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because you're looking up to them, you know, the whole time, and mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's just awesome. And you know, for Bernie Federico, uh, the way he described him is basically, he, you know, obviously, you know, one of the best goalies of, of the '80s. And the story that he told about getting called by Glenn Sater saying, do you want to come to Edmonton? And he said, well, I think the Blues are going to reclaim me. And so he signed with the Blues instead of Edmonton. I thought it was just fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, and then yeah, and then I watched them win four Stanley Cups with Grant. <laughs> yeah, he... oh, yeah. But then he says, I mean, then, then the joke then the joke happened. And then he's like, but, he goes, if I hadn't come to St. Louis, I never would have met my wife. Exactly. And we're like, okay, you know we have to ask the question, your wife or four Stanley Cups? (laughs) Fantastic. So anyway, congratulations. And uh, the organization... I told everybody that I could come in contact with. I'm amazed continually that the Blues never make a mistake in events like this. The Blues do such a great job. And I'm not amazed that they do a great job. I'm amazed that there's never a hitch, that everything goes off so well because every other organization in the world has a hitch, and the Blues, for whatever reason, you do everything right. So congratulations on that. Well, yeah, Randy, thanks. And, and you know what? They, uh, we do have some hitches. We just we hide them pretty good when they do happen. I think, well, hell, I didn't hide this one. I introduced John Kelly last year as a TV voice of the Cardinals. So that one was a fun mistake in there. But, the, uh, but, but, no, you know what? Listen, the amount of work that Mike Caruso, who's been with his team for a long time, did behind the scenes, the planning, the organizing, uh, is amazing. Trevor Nickerson, who started, I mean, Trevor Nickerson started with us basically as, as an intern at, at KTRS and, and stuff. And then he eventually, you know, worked his way in as our, as our road engineer, then home engineer, and now vice president of Blue Note Production. Just a great story. Randy Gersh, I don't know that there is a better, um, you know, for him, it's vice president of community development and, and special events. I, I don't know that there's a better guy in pro sports than, uh, than Randy Gersh and his team. And, uh, and it, I mean, he, everybody behind the scenes was fantastic. It, it takes a lot of people, as you know. It takes a lot of planning. The coordination with the MAC is always spectacular. And it was a fun, fun night. 
Yeah, it always is a great event. Well, Curbs, I wanted to ask you about the Blues' response, the way that they responded against the Caps, being able to shut them out three to nothing the other night. And I wanted to see what you thought about that because here's the thing: we heard Drew Bannister. He pointed out the effort and the lack of execution in that last game against the Caps, but that definitely wasn't the case there. What is it about the Blues where you have that, where they have the lack of effort and execution, and then they're able to turn around so quickly? There's been something in the DNA of this team for several years, to be honest with you, where once they get on a little bit of a, of a roll or once they do something well, they seem to think it's going to be easy. And and for whatever reason, the foot comes off the gas pedal. And I, I can't explain it. It's hard for, you know, it's hard to understand that when you're dealing with pro sports, but it, it does happen. Um, I just think, Brooke, in the end, I think guys came out with some pride. I don't have any other way to describe this other than they they came out with some pride, they came out with some heart, and and they played hard. They, they and and I think they had to feel pretty rotten after the way things went in the previous two games against Philadelphia and Washington. And um and look, they know that they still have a chance at a playoff spot, but they know it's an uphill battle. And there are guys that are striving to make it. When you've got a goaltender like Jordan Bennington, you've got a chance every night to win. And that's got to give you something, you know, to build on. But now the key is that they've got to build on it. They've got to look at each other in the room. And, you know, and, it, and it's it's a process. And they're just – look, this team is not good enough as a group to be able to take, you know, shifts or periods off. Very few in the NHL are, to be honest with you. That's not just talking about this team. But, like, you, you've got to bring it every single night or somebody's going to beat you. And – some of it is growing pain. Some of it is, the, you know, some of the youthful guys you've turned into. But there's a lot of veterans on this hockey team, right? And when, when you're not as fast as other teams, when your special teams aren't as good as other teams, you've got to play a cleaner. But it's the old, you know, it, it's the old Top Gun line right at the beginning of the movie. You know, you know, you, your your body's writing check. You, you're writing checks your body can't cash, right? And and the Blues are in that situation where they've got to play a really good game. And here's the other thing: it's not. It's not going to look pretty sometimes. Right now, they might have to win ugly, but winning is still a lot more fun than losing, right, Nuke? I mean, that's, <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. that's 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 the key there. And look, the LA Kings are a team you can look at. For several years, they switched to a one-three-one, choke it up in the neutral zone. It wasn't an exciting level of play, but they got Andre Kopitar and they got Drew Doughty, mm-hmm. and they got for a while there Jonathan Quick, and they bought in and they did it. And in that process, they turned things around while guys were developing into a, a better team. And now they're, now they're a playoff team a couple of years in a row. And that may be where the Blues have to go right now, and they have to accept it. And some players seem to be having a harder time accepting that than others. And Curbs, you just lead me into my next question in perfect fashion, because L.A. is a great example with those players that you mentioned. With the Blues, nobody questions the leadership ability of, of the core, the, the leadership core. What I question is the, the ability of the other players, the young players, to accept being held accountable. It's almost like, okay, you can do what you – Braden Shen can talk to these Blues in the face. But until the the other players, the young players are willing to accept the accountability to be there every night, then the leadership really doesn't have a great effect. No, I agree with you, Randy, but I also think in all fairness to those guys, I, I think that the veteran players on this team, there's a good number of them that have, that have more to give. There's a good number of them that have to be more impactful 
You know, I, I don't I don't think he can hang what's going on right now solely on young guys no, and, I agree. and things like that. Like like, you know, prior to getting hurt, Gasperi Kapanen was playing some very good hockey, but not very productive offensively. Okay. Look what happened with Verona this year. Didn't work, right? That's a shame. Look at other guys that have, you know, been a part of this team, Sammy Blake. Hitting things a lot at the beginning of the year that fell off, having a hard time getting back in the lineup right now. Things along those kind of lines. And even some of the, the veteran guys, they're, they're, whether it's more impactful minutes in your top six, if Brandon Saad gets moved up there, you know, whatever it may be, uh, it, it you know, there's more. And defensively, defensively, you know, there's there's it's a veteran group back there for the most part. There's there's plenty more to to get from these guys, and that's that's what it's going to have to take. And, and, you know, we talked that one, there's the play of the L.A. Kings, Randy. And then the other thing I'd encourage people to do right now is go look at the Boston Bruins and look at what they did when they went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011 and won it. They went back a couple of years later, right? Then they missed the playoffs two years in a row. But look what they did when they missed those playoffs two years in a row. They still had a good core. They still had Pasternak. They still had Bergeron, right? They still had uh, – they well, they had Krejci, and they, and they had – Marshan, okay. Well, the Blues still have a core of, of, of championship players as well, and it's what they did in those two drafts that turned their franchise around in a real hurry. And that's so. There's a there are some examples in the National Hockey League of where the Blues are at, what needs to do to be successful as the Kings and the Bruins have been. But to do that, you, you really got to get, I think, more from everybody in your lineup and that buy-in, top to bottom. Hey, before we let you go, if the NHL wanted to, they could have a Winter Classic in our parking lot this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Hey, listen, i got to be honest with you. I'm not exactly sure why Parkway and some of these other schools waited until 5 a.m. to call things off today. Okay? Like, with all in all fairness, and and I know some of the people in the district, I love them, but look, like, we knew what was coming, and even if we didn't, it's not that big of a deal to give the kids the Monday off anyway. But we didn't need to say, get up at 5 in the morning to find out you don't have school, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. You are hope, so hope, right. Yeah. I hope, uh, hey, okay, real we had a nice storm when I was working down in Birmingham, Alabama once. Oh, man. And some of our players, I mean, and it was like a half an inch of ice, okay, which buried the city, okay? Now, we worked for an owner at the time that, that said, come on into work. We're like, are you serious? Like, they called a state of emergency. We get in a car wreck. Insurance doesn't cover what we're doing. But he goes, you got to come into work. We got a call from the police chief down in uh, in Hoover, which is a suburb of, of Birmingham, that said, uh, "Mr. Clarkson, could you please call some of your players and ask them to stop ice skating down the middle of some of these roads? We're trying to get things taken care." Of. We had players, we had players that had skates at home that decided, "Oh, what the heck!" and took their skates out and just started skating down streets. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love fantastic. it. By the way, uh, the forecast tomorrow in Calgary, high of 41, low of 19. Here in St. Louis, uh, you've got a high of 42. So you're, you are you basically have the same weather in Calgary tomorrow that you have here. Yep, I looked that up, figured out what I needed to pack, and uh, we'll, we'll be all set. So at least, at, at least it won't be a culture, you know, a, a weather shock when we get in there. No doubt. Curbs, have a great trip. Thanks so much. Have a great week. We always appreciate talking to you, and we'll do it again soon. All right, guys, thanks. And don't forget about the great folks at the Classic Air Care. They're, they're going to take care of you in the winter, all right? Right, and a big day for that today. That you is Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got the fight. I assume we need a fighter. 
Oh, uh, yes, yes, you took down uh, Gary, who had the audacity Gary. to win to win a round. You took him out. <laughs> audacity, definitely, and with your Jordan win streak too. Was it twenty two or twenty three? It was twenty three, right? Yeah, that you, you won twenty three. Okay. You were going for the double. So, you were going for the double dozen, and yeah, I have a new goal. That's been the, and in fact that that you tied you tied your old goal. You, you had twenty three okay. before. It's the double the Uh-oh. double the double we're dozen. We're unleashing something right it's now. It's the <laughs> double dozen that gets you. It's a mental block that I'm dealing with. <laughs> So we got to get over the, the Michael Jordan Kyle hump Shannon. here. Just can't win that 24th Darn straight. It. Darn it. Uh, coming up, the fight. Get your text in to uh, the text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. With your name and the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. To the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio. Danny Mack will be back here tomorrow, but it is now time for the fight. And our fighter today is Rob. Rob, how are you doing today on this very icy Monday? Great. How are you? Good. Did you have to go to work this morning? I, I, I am, and I'm actually in Minnesota. I'm originally from St. Louis, but oh. I listen in on YouTube. Minnesota. So, so he knows how to deal with what we're dealing with. Okay, right yeah. Now. So we, you probably yeah. are like laughing at us trying to figure out all this stuff today. And I'm sure it's much worse in Minnesota. You know, it's not too bad today, but generally speaking, yeah. we. <laughs> I mean, our lakes have about a foot of ice, so ice fishing's good. But the roads and the weather aren't too bad today. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we, we were struggle. We were on the struggle bus this morning. That's for <laughs> sure. All right, you ready to take on Randy in the fight, Rob? It'll be an upset if I win, but let's see what happens all right confidence is always key question number one who is the only goalie in blues franchise history to win 40 plus games in a season a single season is it roman turek grant fuhrer or curtis joseph grant fuhrer here's something even will chamberlain never did in a game 60 points 20 rebounds 10 assists which active player is the only player to ever reach those numbers in a game was that nikola Jokic? Luka Doncic or LeBron James? Um, Jokic. What is the most played playoff matchup in NFL history? Is it the Cowboys and Packers, Colts and Patriots, or Niners and Packers? Um, the first one. Cowboys Packers is your choice? Yeah. Yep. All right. Mike Krzyzewski now sits number one on just the men's all-time list with 1,202 wins, with 1,129 of those coming with Duke. With which school did he win his other 73 games? Was that Indiana State, Army, or UMBC? Army. All right. We'll double-check our score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. How are you feeling, Rob? Uh, I don't feel too bad, but we'll see. <laughs> no? Yeah. I mean, you never know. It's always harder than it seems, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, here comes Randy with his golf shoes. 
<laughs> prepared for all Correction. elements this morning. Randy, say hi to Rob. Rob, good morning. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. So Rob Certainly. is originally from St. Louis, right? That's what you said, Rob. And he is in Minnesota now. So he oh. could really handle the elements. Oh, no doubt. You can. Although you guys have more snow. Do you ever deal with ice up there, Rob? Uh, just on the lake when they're frozen and we go ice fishing. Yeah, that's that's great. That's where I'm jealous because like right no. now, because right we're dealing with like I don't know if it's gonna be like 32 today. Is it gonna be below 30? Is it gonna be above 30? It's gonna be all ice questions. Oh, yeah, that's we don't get winning. the ice. We don't get the ice storms like you guys do down there. Oh. Okay. Good. We're learning here. We, well, there we, we are. are. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> you ready to take on Rob in the fight, Randy? Ready. Question number one: Who is the only goalie in Blues franchise history to win forty plus games in a single season? Uh, Brooke, that would be Roman Turek. I think with all those wins, you'd pay attention. Here's something even Will Chamberlain didn't do, Randy. 60 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists in a single game. Which active player is the only player to ever reach those numbers in a game? Wow. 60, 20, and 10? Yes, sir. I'll do the lifeline, Matthew. Is it Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, or LeBron James? I'm going to go with Luka. What is the most played playoff game matchup, excuse me, in NFL history? So the other night was the tenth for the Niners and the Packers. Um and that might you got Niners cousin Niners have played now in nineteen NFC championship games. Niners Cowboys. Uh yeah, I don't think the Steelers or the Patriots have a record like that. If, if it would, it would be those two. So I'm thinking we're in the NFC. And I think I'm going to go... Boy, um, I'm just going to... I'm going to go Cowboys 49ers, I think. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski now sits number one on just the men's all-time list after being passed by Stanford's uh, Vanderveer uh, with uh, 1,202 wins. He got he got 1,129 of those with Duke. With which school did he win his other 73 games? I think he was at Army before he went to Duke. All right, Coach K. Randy Carricker had to walk to work today in the in in the freezing rain. With did that slow it down? Did that <laughs> slow down the mega mind? And did Rob, who's built for this weather, being from Minnesota, was he able to come in with a cold weather win? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Rob. Even a frozen Mega Mind still operates pretty well. He got three, and he beat you three to one today. Oh, bummer. Oh, oh well. <laughs> That'll happen. That'll happen. Let's go through those questions. Who is the only goalie in Blues franchise history to win 40-plus games in a single season? It was, in fact, a 42-win season for Roman Turk when they won the President's Trophy, the highest win total in Blues history, but by points as well. Roman Turk, but of course, pay attention, Roman. They're shooting the puck from very far away. Uh, Will Chamberlain never put up 60 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists, but Luka Doncic did, the only player in NBA history to ever put up 60, 20, and 10 on that kind of line. 
The most played playoff matchup in NFL history was, in fact, the Niners and Packers when they played their 10th instance just this weekend. The craziest part about that, Randy, the first time the Packers and Niners faced off in the playoffs, 1995. Wow, how about that? Oh, man. And it is still the most played playoff matchup in NFL history. Super Bowl history, I should say. But that's insane to me that the first one didn't happen until 95. And Krzyzewski now number one on the uh, just on the men's all-time list, no longer number one all-time in D1 basketball with 1,002 wins. 1,129 came with Duke and then 73 with Army where he was the coach after being an assistant with Bobby Knight at Indiana. So it's a 3-1 win for Randy Carricker in today's fight. Rob, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Rob. you, Rob. By the way, a little insight into how the fight sometimes works. Uh, mm-hmm. The question today, the, que- the question for today was originally written as uh, Stanford's uh, Vanderveer became the all-time <laughs> winning coach. Which men's coach did she pass? Oh, and, so, yeah. and so on the fly, when Randy took that first first thing, I go, "All right, we got to change that question, <laughs> Don't ladies you and gentlemen." Love when that happens, I love it when it happens. It makes me keeps me on my feet. It was cold. I had, I had to get the blood flowing a little bit. <laughs> That's the fight coming up. Your favorite moment from the NFL divisional weekend. We'll give you ours next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The NFL championship games are set for next weekend. The early game at about 3 o'clock St. Louis time is going to be the AFC matchup between the Chiefs and the Ravens. And then the night game is going to be Kansas or the uh, the 49ers as they take on the Detroit Lions. A great weekend of football. And, Brooke, there, there were so many things to like about this weekend. And what I like is when coaches zig when I think they're going to zag. And that's what John Harbaugh and Todd Munkin did. Because I'm sure that D'Amico Ryans was thinking at halftime, okay, the Ravens are tied with us. We've been able to play with them. And they're going to do what they do. They're going to lean on us and they're going to hand the ball off to start the second half. Well, out comes Lamar Jackson with a 9-yard pass to Nelson Aguilar, a 19-yard pass to Isaiah Likely, a 3-yard run by Lamar. Rashad Bateman catches a 9-yard pass. Then Lamar throws incomplete before running for a 15-yard touchdown. In the opening drive of the second half, they never handed it off. They never tried to lean on Houston, and they wind up taking a 17-10 lead and roll because they ultimately did lean on Houston, and they just beat them. Uh, but with that first drive of the second half, I'm sure that D'Amico Ryans was beside himself that Jackson was throwing and not handing the ball off. And that was my favorite moment is... If you watch the Ravens play, you know that they're just a tough physical group. And they Mm kind of got away from that, but there was a method to their madness. And they rolled, and they showed what they are. I really appreciate the Chiefs, and the Chiefs do, as they showed again last night. They have the heart of a champion. But, man, I think Baltimore is going to be really tough to beat. They are going to be really tough to beat. I'm really excited for that game because my favorite game of the weekend was Bills and Chiefs. But the Ravens and specifically Lamar Jackson, how he was able to orchestrate that comeback in the second half, I think says a lot about him and also proving those doubters wrong. I feel like that was kind of the theme for a lot of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. this weekend is being able to prove those narratives and shut them down. And Lamar Jackson did that on his way to his second MVP. That conversation of he's only had one play off win now the Ravens really do look like maybe the most well-rounded team would you say the most well-rounded team amongst those who are left they are and it was shocking that they allowed 
a touchdown on a punt return because yeah. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach, but that's the only touchdown they allowed. Their defense is great, as we mentioned earlier. They only allowed 213 yards, was it, of total off? Yeah, was, somewhere was around that there, much? I 213 yards of total offense in the game, including just 68 in the second half. The defense is fantastic. The offense, Lamar is the fastest guy in the league. They have a bunch of good receivers. Now they have a bunch of good running backs. They have maybe the best offensive line in the league. And their special teams generally are impervious. So, yeah, I would say they're the most well-rounded team. Did you see John Harbaugh in the locker room afterwards dancing? celebrating and the way that he was dancing? Yeah. God, I was like, man, that's everybody after an open bar at a wedding. That's <laughs> exactly. That's, a, that's like yeah. a universal dance yep. move that you were seeing him do there. Yeah. I thought that that was just really funny to okay, see. Okay, take it or leave it. When the Ravens play next Sunday, Jim Harbaugh will still be able to wear Ravens gear. Ooh. Or will he be wearing Chargers or Falcons gear? Uh, it doesn't seem like... I haven't seen any reports that the Chargers are exactly ready yet, have you? Doesn't seem like another giving no. a bunch of second interviews. Hmm. I might just have to leave it just because I don't think the yeah. decision will be made just yet. But I feel like it's his, right? It seems like it. But maybe you'll go back to Michigan. Take no. the 125 mil. Uh, you never know. Well, I think that two of my favorite moments for this weekend, outside of, because I think, obviously, that huge moment with the Chiefs and Bills, like, that's going to be top. That was just an incredible game overall. And just another, can I just also say that, don't we know that either way, if Tyler Bass hadn't missed that field goal, that Patrick Mahomes would have found some other just heart-wrenching way to mm-hmm. absolutely crush the yeah. Bills in yeah. that moment? Yeah. You knew it was going to happen. You stepped on their hearts. Yeah. But I also think that Brock Purdy, what he was able to do, especially when we were talking about you want your quarterback, what has he done in those clutch moments? And I think that was a big conversation about if Brock Purdy had that ability. Was it a good game for him? No. But he helped orchestrate, Randy, a 12-play, 69-yard game-winning drive in the closing minutes, which is what he needed to do for that team. Once again, not great in this game. Yes, he has a lot of weapons, but the fact that they were able to come from behind, that they were able to have that huge moment that Brock Purdy was able to really step up in, and you were able to do it without Debo Samuel, I think that that was huge for the 49ers. 49ers were 0-3 without Debo this year. The game he got hurt in Oh, I remember that stretch, yeah. Yeah, And then uh, that was when they lost the three in a row, and then they lost to Baltimore, obviously, but he is the most important part of their offense. Kind of like Mark Andrews has been over the years for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. So for those two teams to win without those two key elements of their offenses says a lot about the team, says a lot about the coaching, but I think most of all says a lot about the quarterbacks. It does. And then, of course, I talked about this earlier, but just want to say it again. I thought that that was an identity moment for Dan Campbell and the Lions because it showed their grittiness and also how they're not afraid mm-hmm. of other teams. They're flash and pizzazz in the third quarter when it was tied 4-4, to and it's fourth down, and Dan Campbell goes for it, and he goes to his third back, third back Mm -hmm. and is basically just saying my guy is better than your guy and I think it just shows the trust that this group has and it's working out for the Lions this season yeah now Brooke one team that changed my opinion about them and it wasn't the team as much as it was the individuals but uh, Juwan Taylor, the right tackle for the Chiefs, led the league in penalties this year with 21. And Donovan Smith, their left tackle, was not very good. Last night, the Chiefs only commit two penalties, and neither of those tackles committed either of them, and they didn't allow a sack. If those tackles can hold up against a really good Buffalo front four, I kind of think they might be able to hold up against Baltimore. That might be something that Baltimore was counting on, is being able to get after Mahomes via those tackles. Maybe they won't be able to. 
Yeah, I I didn't realize too. Somehow I missed this. I'm sure it was brought up in conversation that, and you pointed this out during one of the breaks, is that the Chiefs' defense is really young. Yeah, youngest in the league. I didn't realize that. It makes sense when you think about it, but I just didn't realize that. So that's something that you're looking forward to in the future with them because their defense. I've been saying this is the they are the MVPs of the season for the Chiefs, in my opinion. No question, because the offense really hasn't been great, but they've done a great job of drafting young players. And the key is you need really smart people to play Spag's defense, and Mm -hmm. that must be what they have because he gives a lot of looks and a lot of things to understand. A lot of players don't understand, and he's got that group playing at an extraordinarily high level. I think going back to some a team and a player that changed my mind this week, and I'm going back to Brock Purdy because I also have bought into mm-hmm. the game manager thing. And I don't know if he exactly got away from that narrative this weekend mm-hmm. because it wasn't a great game, but once again, great quarterbacks are clutch in the moments that matter. Yep. What did I say earlier, Randy? I took your quote, don't tell me about the labor, just show me the baby, and that yep. baby's a win, and Brock Purdy led them to that. He sure did. Okay, so first blush, first game next Sunday, and we've got all week to analyze these games. Yes, we do. But Baltimore and Kansas City, who do you like? First blush. Okay, I was the only one that picked the Chiefs this past weekend. Uh Do you remember that? I I was the only one. You guys were down on them. I still stood Mm -hmm. by the Chiefs. Gosh, that's tough, though. But that was, you know, I'm just going to stick with it. I'm going to go with the Chiefs again. Offensively, that was one of their best games. I think they'll be able to build off of that. We talked about their defense. I'll just go with that. And by the way, after our show on Friday, I'm listening to Greeny, and he announces that Sean McDermott had announced that four defensive starters were up for (laughs) Buffalo. So I did change my mind a little bit after uh, after that. You wanted to go back in time. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are just the best team. And then San Francisco and Detroit. I love what Detroit has done this year, but Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really hard for them to go on the road and win at San Francisco all year long. I have believed that San Francisco and Baltimore were the two best teams in the league, and I still think that now. Well, are you a little bit concerned? And after I just talked about that, they were able to win this game without Debo Samuel. But does it concern you that he might not be available for that game? No, uh, it, it really doesn't. I just think that San Francisco has so many more good players. They do. Oh, my gosh. Even Jawan Jennings coming out in that game. I mean, that was a huge moment for him. I wasn't even expecting that. Yeah. And one of the things yesterday was, uh, uh, yeah, yesterday, I didn't think Tampa, and they just aren't capable of handling that front four of Detroit very well. Mm -hmm. I think that the 49ers with their offensive line will handle that front four pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. So um, I think 100%. I like the Lions this season a lot, and they still have a bright future. I mean, there's a lot of things working for them. We talked about that rookie class, so they're going to be a force to deal with for a while. If they have home field, if, if they were... If they had home field for this game, yeah. I think I would probably pick them. But the mm-hmm. fact that they have to go on the road makes it different. But, man, that that sounded like our dome back in the day yesterday yeah. in Did Detroit. It really? Yeah, it was oh, unbelievable man. how loud that was. Yeah. So it was great. I think who, uh, whoever was doing the game said it was the loudest game all year. Was it Collinsworth, right? No. Mm-hmm. Was, was it them? Was it Collinsworth? Yeah, it was Tariqo and Collinsworth. Yeah. And Collinsworth said it was the loudest stadium that he'd heard all year. And by the way, Mike Tariqo grew up in Detroit, lives in Detroit, yeah. so that had to be so cool for him. Mm-hmm. Did you notice Aiden Hutchinson just kind of, after the Take game, yeah, just looking just around, taking it, it in? Yeah, yeah. So cool. It is. It was great for him. Another uh, Detroit kid. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset for you here on 101 ESPN. To the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive with a rush hour reset. 
If you're trying to get out in a boat, uh, be careful out there. It <laughs> is slippery. It is slippery out there. I uh, I I kind of uh, slid down my driveway today on the way to work <laughs> as I, I was trying to walk to my car, and I figured, well, if I can't walk with my car, I uh, I, I better not try to drive my car. So I walked to work. You did, and you use golf shoes, which is yes, honestly such a smart tactic. I don't know why I didn't think about that, because I did the same thing this morning where it was very slippery, because ice is so misleading. You see mm-hmm. it, and you're like, oh, it's just wet. You know, I'm fine. And then I get out there, and then I shrieked for help. <laughs> 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 Early this morning in you City, if you heard that. Sorry about that. But you had everything. I mean, look at all the setup you have. You have a bandana. What's a bandana for? No, that, that was already here. I think that's something that... Uh Oh, I was like, wait a minute. Is this, no. Well, it but, makes sense to cover your face yeah, while right. it's cold or something. You have all the gloves, you have the hat, you have the golf shoes, you have all the essentials to survive. I, I was prepared. And you brought your food a day yeah, earlier, too? I did. I brought my stuff in yesterday. Oh, my gosh, I was Randy. I, I was not prepared whatsoever. I was just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. You were morning. worried that the, the meteorologists were going to do as they usually do and try to scare us, and then nothing happens. Oh, no. Tempe wouldn't do that to us. Oh, Tempe's good. Tempe's, he is. Yes. Don't you get a free umbrella if Tempe messes up, something like that? Do, they, used to. do they have that Channel as 4, a promotion? Yeah, used to have an, uh, I used to have that deal. I don't know if they oh. still do. Maybe they don't since now they're uh, first alert. For they're first alert now, yeah. and we're second. We are second alert. Second alert 101. So over the weekend, well, let's just start with this. The Blues are at Calgary tomorrow night, and then at Vancouver on Wednesday night. The Blues with a 3 nothing win over the Capitals on Saturday night. Binner with 18 saves. Goals from Pareko, Schenner, and Neighbors as the Blues get back on the win, in the win column. And there's still five points behind the final wildcard spot in the West. It's just the up and down. Now we're back mm-hmm. to that, right? I felt like we got away for it for a little bit because you have Drew Bannister coming in, new coach, new message-ish. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think the message was any yeah. different, just a different voice, basically. Um, and then, I don't know, it's just still now up and down. I, you, mm-hmm. I feel like they would need to, I felt like these 10 games, or even I guess you could say 20 as well, but I would say even more so 10 games, that it was very important for them to develop some sort of win streak. We talked about that. Right. They really haven't developed. What is their longest win streak this season? Like how many games in a row they've gotten to four or not? I I feel like three is what I can think of off the top of my head. They've had multiple opportunities to get four games over 500 and haven't been able to do that. And that's what I'm saying is that it just feels like that's still not there. That hasn't developed for him. And I thought it was interesting, of course, when in the game when you win, then it's weird to call out maybe not having a player in the game. But Randy, I thought it was, I, I get it. Scandella came back into this game, so you have to make room for him. They like Kessel a lot. But sitting Perunovic threw me off a little bit. Yeah, I, I guess they feel like they've evaluated him and they just want to look at other people. But with Bannister, didn't he say something along the lines of he's not afraid of taking away ice time for a player yeah, that's not that's doing it. well? But I'm and just going to point it out. What did we see in those two games? It was Tori Krug and it was Justin Falk, who is coming back from injury mm-hmm. that really led to a lot of those mistakes in the games. Yeah, they, they are, uh, as Curb said, the veteran players are not immune from criticism here. They no. shouldn't be. No, they're definitely not. But a win's a win. And they got that. The NFL Conference Championship games are set for next weekend. So at 2 o'clock, Chiefs at Baltimore next Sunday, followed by at 6.30 St. Louis time, 5.30 St. Louis time, uh, Lions and Niners. So you've got both games set up. After yesterday's Lions 31-23 win over the Buccaneers and last night the Bills over the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs over the Bills rather, 27-23. 
uh, 27-24. Tyler Bass with an opportunity to tie the game with just over a minute to go, and here's what happened to the Bills kicker. Make one for us. The game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Yes, they have. (laughs) Wide right, and the game stays 27-24. Kansas City gets out of Highmark Stadium with a victory. Tyler Bass isn't the reason that they lost that game. Of course, that was a very, very, very important Mm -hmm. moment. But I really think the difference in the game was this, is that the Chiefs had eight plays of 20 yards or more. The Bills had none. Right. And the stupidest rule, maybe in all of sports, came into play again with that McCole Hardman fumble. Yeah. That's just such a stupid rule that because if you fumble it out of bounds Mm -hmm. and it's not through the end zone, then you get to keep the ball. Why is it that if you fumble it into the end zone and it goes through that it's a touchback? It makes no sense at all. I have no idea why that rule is in place. No. What should they change it to? uh, Where you fumbled. Like, mm-hmm. if you fumble at the one-yard line and it, it goes it out really of It really doesn't make any sense to me It doesn't either. make any sense at all. No, no. But either way, I thought it was a great game. Outside, if you're a Bills fan, I'm so sorry for you today. Mm-hmm. If you're a Chiefs fan, you are very excited with the end result there. But so what I, have you been I saying to Bills every... fans this morning here at the uh, I haven't, Hubbard I haven't Radio been saying buildings. anything, Randy. I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. You haven't brought anything up no, to I any haven't. of the Bills fans no, around no. here? <laughs> okay. I brought, no. It's, I, I said... That was a great season for you guys. I really did say that. <laughs> oh, good. But amongst other things. But yeah, I said it's a great season for you guys. Look, it's just, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun, what is happening there. But either way, that was a fantastic game. You had Jason Kelsey shirtless, matching oh, the energy awesome. of Bill's Mafia. You had Taylor Swift in there hugging. She's kind of getting choked out by yeah. Brittany Mahomes. That was a little weird. Yeah. And then you had Patrick Mahomes getting like pelted with snowballs as he's loving it. leaving. Yeah. That was everything. All the theatrics that we would want. I know that both the teams will look different, but it's still exciting to see. And then one other thing, uh, Dayton drilled Slew on Friday night, and Ross Chaffetz went on social media, and you were telling me about this this morning. But here's the thing, is that he could, He here's the thing, he didn't directly say mm-hmm. who he was talking about, but it's easy to put the puzzle pieces together, right? So uh-huh. he said, I will pull it up for you right now. He said, not good, exclamation point. And it's not. It's Things not. are not going well for the St. Louis U basketball program. And sure, they had the injury to Sincere Parker, but everything else has been fine in terms of their health. And even coming into the season, people close to the program didn't know how good or bad they were going to be. And this is just, and and by the way, SLU are in the midst of a record before this season, four straight years with 20 or more victories. But this just is not a very good it doesn't appear to be St. Louis U basketball team. No. And I feel like, and this is just my own perception and opinion of this, but just watching from the outside, it felt like there's a lot of conversation about Travis Ford and possibly his seat heating mm-hmm. up. What do you think the feeling is right now around well, this? That, and I wondered, but I think that's where any heat is going to come from, is from the Chaffetz family. Mm-hmm. So when I see that, I, I wonder if maybe it is heating up a little bit. And I, as I've said before, I don't know what the commitment level is to having great basketball at SLU. I don't know what their level of commitment to having great NIL, getting great players in here is. There's no good reason to bring in a different coach if you aren't prepared to commit in the new envir- college environment, and that includes using the transfer portal and using NIL. 
if you're going to have the same sort of approach where you don't have great players for another coach, it's not going to do you any good. So you better, if you're going to make a commitment, commit. And I know that, especially during my time here in St. Louis covering the Billikens, that they have done a lot. But my expectation, at least what I've seen from recent years and from fans, is that they should be winning a conference championship or at least mm-hmm. competing for it every single year. And I know that you've had the loss of Yuri Collins. You've had the loss of Javante Perkins and Hassan French, all these Jordan Goodwin, all these big players that have been there for a long time. But I feel like that is the expectation is competing for a conference championship or winning the conference championship every year. Yeah, it- that's what they should be. They should be the Gonzaga of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. In theory, that's the schools are the same. The approach is the same. The facilities here are better. Both big markets, Seattle is, is Gonzaga, St. Louis is St. Louis University. Yeah, they should be, as a program, you would think if they made a big-time commitment, better than they are. By the way, I said Dayton. Dayton was last Tuesday. They lost to VCU on Friday, 85 to 61. So there is your Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, we want to hear from you on the Cardinal signing of Matt Carpenter here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You know, uh, we're excited. Um, Matt Carpenter was someone that uh, we were always fond of when he was here. Putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. And, you know, as we were looking at our club right now, we definitely wanted to try to find somebody with some experience who's been through some things. What could it cost? $10? And, um, you know, with speaking with Ollie and and his group, we thought this would be a pretty good fit. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) We are laughing. If you can't laugh at this, then you're just not having enough fun at Chubby. There's a little chuckle. And it's <laughs> We're getting the band back together, Randy. Yeah. Why Why could you be upset about that? What is wrong with bringing back Matt Carpenter? You're bringing everybody back. Have we asked Jim Edmonds if he wants to get out of the booth and no, back in center field? No, we should. Brooke, tradition meets today. Literally. <laughs> that's, that's true. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that is so true. And that's why I'm not exactly shocked. I was shocked at first. My initial reaction was shock and surprise and checking the calendar. But at the same time, this is what the Cardinals do, Randy, right? This is what they do. And I think another big part of this is this is something that Nolan Arenado and Paul mm-hmm. Goldschmidt wanted. Great. Good. That's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they, they took care of those guys. But uh, does that mean that those guys are going to perform better? I, I, I hope that this means the team is going to perform better. From a baseball standpoint, I can't see how, and this is purely an on-field standpoint, I can't see how Matt Carpenter makes the Cardinals a better team. Now, maybe... His presence will enhance the performance of others because he gives them warm fuzzies. But I, I I have trouble seeing from a baseball standpoint how this makes the Cardinals better. Now, if it works, great. If he winds up being this leader and he's, he's the first player to be able to hold up the World Championship trophy, I will admit I'm wrong. 
But I, I just don't see how he, Matt Carpenter, makes the Cardinals better. Well, and you were there for the press conference. My big takeaway is that it wasn't about the numbers. It wasn't about what mm-hmm. he's done recently. It's more about what he has meant to the organization and also what he will be able to do, hopefully, for that clubhouse. And I think it's interesting because Katie Wu of The Athletic, she has an article out right now where she talks mm-hmm. to Nolan Arnato, And he says, when it comes to veteran leadership, I'm a big believer that to win a championship, you need a good veteran core with some good young players. If you don't have veteran players, I just feel like it's so hard to win because young players don't have that leadership, that experience you can lean on. When you have veteran players, you can lean on the fact that they've been there before, and I think that's how you win. Last year, we were fairly young, and obviously, you saw the result of that. I wonder if you watched the World Series and watched the Arizona Diamondbacks in the playoffs. I would assume so. I would hope so. so he seems he seems to be baseball obsessed, so I would assume that he would have paid attention to that. So I wonder who he's... Tommy Pham? Was it the acquisition of Tommy Pham? <laughs> Matt, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm sorry, for just for a moment. And Tommy Pham, super nice. Yep. He is actually a very, very nice, kind guy. Does a lot of charity work. But can you imagine like bringing in Tommy Pham saying that you need a clubhouse guy yeah, and then you bring right. in Tommy yeah. Pham? Is, is it Christian Walker? I'm, I'm trying to... Yeah. With, with, and I say this with all due respect to Nolan, but I don't know if... if now, the team that won the World Series, I mean, you bring in Seager, who's won a World Series MVP before, mm-hmm. bringing in a Marcus Simeon, bringing in a DeGrom, bringing in a Scherzer, yeah, they bring in an Evaldi. Yes, but those were Evaldi did it on the field for you. Seager did it on the field for you. Simeon did it on the field for you. Is Matt Carpenter going to do it on the field for you? I think that's really doubtful. But here's the thing: is that it's just no harm, no foul, right? I I mean, best case scenario, worst case scenario. I don't really mm-hmm. see this being a big deal. They talked about how his time is going to be limited, and they seem to talk about this last mm-hmm. year. And I'm going to bring up a name that we haven't talked about in a while. Taylor Motter, right? Motter. Somebody somebody who is fine with taking a limited role. Now, did we see Motter a little bit more than I would have liked to last season? Yes. Do I I hope that's that's the same case. But I feel like with this, it's just not maybe that big of a deal. So he's this a mascot. Is, he's <laughs> He's a 26 man who is going to get really limited time. He's just going to be a bench bat. And it seems like it's more about what he will provide from a veteran leadership standpoint. Because, I mean, Nolan seems to think that it does it not seem like in that quote that Nolan thinks if he's assessing what went wrong with the season mm-hmm. last year, that's what he's pointing to. Yeah, he is. And by the way, when Whitey Herzog took over the managerialship of the managership, when he took over as Cardinals manager <laughs> in 1980, somebody asked him, who the leader of his team was going to be. Because he had veterans, he had Hernandez, he had Hendrick, he had Simmons mm-hmm. at the time. He said, well, I'm the manager, I'm the leader. The manager, I'm the leader. Was there ever a day where you didn't think that Tony Larusa was the leader of the Cardinals when he was their manager? I, To me, he was the leader. So he, Bruce Bochy seems mm-hmm. to me to be the leader of, of the world champion Texas Rangers. Dusty Baker was a leader for the world champion Houston Astros. To me, there's some responsibility on the part of the manager to actually be the leader. And is that a concern that there could be too many cooks in the kitchen? Because we talked about the Padres earlier about how they had a great lineup, a lot of all-star talent, a lot Mm -hmm. of veteran leadership, Mm -hmm. but then none of it came together because then you have too many leaders in one room to the point where it felt like none of them got along. Right. It it, it could wind up being an issue. I've got a really good text here from the 636, but it's good. 
but I question it, and here's why. So about the signing of Matt Carpenter, here we go again, giving St. Louis fans who actually fall for it all the warm and fuzzy feelings while creating a team that's going to be mediocre. That's all it was. It's about getting people to the stadium to spend the money. It's obviously not about winning, and I would like to add nothing personal to Matt Carpenter. Here's the thing. Brooke, I haven't run across a single person, not one, who says, oh, what a great move, or thinks that this is warm and fuzzy, or thinks that they're going to buy tickets because of the presence of Matt Carpenter. I haven't seen it on social media. I haven't talked to that person yet. I haven't heard that person on our air. Have you? No, I have not. But I think that there's a lot of people who've gotten to the point, and I've gotten to the point as well, where to me, it just makes sense. That's the theme of this offseason. Mm-hmm. It's what the Cardinals do. I think best case scenario in this situation and worst case scenario with this whole Matt Carpenter situation, and I talked about this on Twitter and some people could not read properly on this, but <laughs> is that best case scenario is what happened with Albert Pujols. And before you say, whoa, 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 don't put them in the same sentence. Obviously, numbers wise, this is not what we're talking about because the Cardinals aren't even talking about numbers, mm-hmm. Randy. This is more about the presence he will bring. I think Albert Pujols is a great comparison of if you just want to, it was a season, remember people didn't really like the Albert Pujols signing at first. Some people didn't Mm -hmm. because he wasn't doing as well towards the end there. But then in his time, of course he did a lot more than I expect Matt Carpenter to do, hopefully. But it was a nice ending to a really good career. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what we're all hoping for here is that even in his limited time, it won't be terrible and won't see it drug out. Now, worst case scenario is that it really doesn't work out and you get to a point where he can't hit, how do the Cardinals handle this? That's my concern. Right. And before we get to a mic drop from Terry, let me give you my best and worst. Best case scenario is that the Cardinals have a season like Atlanta had last year where Sean Murphy played 108 games. Travis Darno was their other catcher. They basically platooned behind. Matt Olson played 162. Ozzie Albies played 148. Orlando Arcia played 139. Austin Riley played 159. Eddie Rosario played 142. Michael Harris II played 138. Ronald Acuna Jr. played 159. Marcelo Zuna played 144. Best case scenario, the Cardinals get that kind of durability from their starting eight. Worst case scenario, somebody gets hurt and Matt Carpenter has to play a lot. And that's the big concern because yeah. I think that I I was not expecting Tomater to play as much as he no. did last season. Mm-hmm. Did you? No. And I don't, I think no. that that's what Carp is supposed to be is what Taylor Motter was mm-hmm. last season. Hopefully not as much playing time. But remember, <laughs> that's what Mo said is they wanted a player that was okay with not playing that much. And he said the same thing in that recent press conference yep. about Matt Carpenter. So hopefully that's the case. But as I said, even in those limited at-bats, if he can't hit, mm-hmm. how will the Cardinals handle this situation? Okay, here's a mic drop from Terry on 101 ESPN. Hopefully Goldsmith and Arenado will tell Mo to sign Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> That's the best. That's the yeah. best. Every time I keep hearing, well, these guys wanted a leader. <laughs> there you go. At some point, I got to think they asked, hey, can we also get a pitcher? Yep. Oh, that was a. Well, and that kind of goes back to my whole point because I feel like winning truly is a cure all for everything. It if you're is. having clubhouse culture issues, I, I mean, you could still have a bad clubhouse or locker room, I guess, if you're winning all the time. I mean, look at what happened with the Eagles. But I think in general, winning kind of helps winning the clubhouse culture. Everything. Yep. And oh, by the way, Marp is going to be on with BK and Ferrario this, today at noon. I wonder if they'll go all office space on him. Oh, yeah. So, so what exactly do you do here? <laughs> what, what will your role be? Are you the, well, the personality hire? And nothing against Matt Carpenter. Once again, he, I, I'm for one, he was so kind to me when I was first starting oh, out here guy. in St. Louis. So kind. I think that this just kind of took a lot of people by surprise. But then once again, Randy, what has been the theme of this offseason for the Cardinals? Leadership, veteran leadership. There you go. Yep.
So will he, it solve their problems? Will. Though is now the big question. It's in Man, the wait and see mode. I I hope that it does, and I, I hope that he can revert to his form of eleven years ago. <laughs> that's when he that's was a lot. That's a that's a lot to a lot, ask lot for. To ask for. Well, I didn't ask you. So what is your best case scenario? I said mine yeah. that at least he has like Albert yep. at least a nice ride off into the sunset. Obviously not going to produce those kind yep. of numbers. Once again, not going to produce those kind of numbers, but mm-hmm. a nice right off to the sunset. And what is your worst case scenario? My worst case scenario is that Brendan Donovan gets hurt again and they decide that they, they're going to play Matt Carpenter at second base. Mm-hmm. And he gets a lot of at-bats and performs as he has basically for the last six years. Since 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, for the last five years. Uh, that would not be great. And my, by the way, best case, Tom Lawless was up with the Cardinals for all of 1987. Lawman's probably listening. Great guy. Uh, he had, in the whole season, 25 at-bats and 29 plate appearances. I don't think he had an at-bat until August of that year. That's the best-case scenario. The Matt Carpenter doesn't have to take an at-bat. Let me do- make sure. I've ha- that might not be right. I, I hope that I'm... I, I hope that Matt Carpenter doesn't have to take an at-bat until late in the, in the year. Okay, first plate appearance... For uh, Tom Lawless, oh, he did have three uh, in, in April. So, but basically, yeah, he, I don't think he had his first hit until August or something like that. So, uh, yeah, had his first hit August twelfth. That's my hope is that Matt Carpenter winds up with twenty nine plate appearances, twenty five at bats. That he is the two thousand twenty four edition of the, the nineteen eighty seven Tom Lawless, and he's there to lift guys up in the dugout. Mm-hmm. I guess that's and that's that was the focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. Hopefully, we can get to get a little Josh Groban out of uh, <laughs> out of Mark. Uh, coming up here on 101 ESPN of the losing teams in the NFL this weekend. Who has the best future? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One fifty and counting, five-yard pickup, bucks to the line. Two receivers left, two wide right. Mayfield stands along the right hash in the shotgun. Gets the snap from the center, Hainsey. Throws over the middle, floats it high, and it's intercepted! Picked off by Derek Barnes! And that ended things for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as Detroit advances. And they'll play in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco on Sunday night. That's after the Chiefs and the Ravens at Baltimore at uh, the bank in Baltimore. Brooke, as you look at this weekend, though, C.J. Stroud and the Texans fall. Jordan Love and the Packers fall. Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers, who still have some pretty good young players, although mm-hmm. Mike Evans is a free agent. And the Buffalo Bills fall to uh, Kansas City, but they still have Josh Allen. Of the four teams that lost this weekend, whose future, what team's future would you be more most enthusiastic about? I think it's easy. I think that it's the Packers, 100%. Such a young team. And Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do of really building, I'm guessing, a good culture around this team. Jordan Love, the way that they have really formulated things. Mm -hmm. I think that's the team that has the highest upside, honestly. But you guys know, I'm very excited, even though they're in the AFC South and they compete against my Titans, the way that C.J. Shroud has really emerged this mm-hmm. season and what he's able to do in his rookie season. I'm excited what to see what the Texans do next year. See, I 
I'm very excited about the Packers, too. But I think one of the things they run into is being in the same division as Detroit. Yeah. And I don't know if they'll be blocked. Maybe they, they'll get to be as good as the Lions are. But the Texans being in, a, in that division with the Titans and the Colts and the Jags, we don't know how good Jacksonville is going to be, but they certainly took a step back this year. And with the 22-year-old quarterback with a really good defensive mind as their head coach, I'm really intrigued to see what the future holds for the Houston Texans. But you know what, Brooke? Even though the Bills, this window of opportunity, we both agree, has closed for them to win a championship. For me, when you have Josh Allen, it's kind of like when the Packers had Brett Favre. You always have a chance to win the game Mm -hmm. with that quarterback playing for you. I agree. I I think so as well. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens surrounding Mm The Bills. Yeah, are they going to be able to draft well? Is uh, Shakir is he is he going to be good? They've they got the two tight ends. Uh, they they appear to have a running back now. Cook is only a second year guy. They need to fix the off. They don't need to fix the offensive line, but they lose both Dawkins and Morse. They're both big money guys for next year. And the biggest issue they have, unfortunately, is that right now Josh Allen is no longer a bargain. He goes mm-hmm. from twenty seven to forty seven million dollars, and. Uh, Stefan Diggs, their best offensive player outside of Josh Allen, goes from 17 to 27. It's going to be hard to keep Diggs around because of the Allen raise. Well, I think that we all knew that it was going to come down Mm -hmm. to this, right? That it just wasn't going to work out for the Bills. And so that window closes for them a little bit. And how they navigate this offseason is going to really determine if that window is closed for a while. Because like you said, I think with Josh Allen is around, building around that, it almost seems like it'll be a similar situation maybe with what the Chiefs were in and what they've been dealing with, especially with Patrick Mm -hmm. Holmes and getting him a lot of receiver help. But at the same time, I think that they will, with Josh Allen, you build around that and they should have some success. I thought this was interesting, and Rock brought this up during the break, but what about Baker Mayfield? I mean, it's almost like in that game it was like opposite of Brock Purdy because, I mean, four incredible throws and then the next one doesn't work out and then determines everything. Right, and he kept going back to the tight end, Otten, which is Mm -hmm. fine, but you do have number 13 on your team. If you're going to make a questionable throw... Make it to Mike Evans. And the, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. And I don't think any of us here think that any Tampa Bay is anywhere above number four. If I'm going to pick the four losing teams, no, num- they're number four this weekend. I think the Bills have a better future. I think the Packers have a better future. I think the Texans have a better future. And in part, if they sign Baker Mayfield, I don't know who he's going to throw to. Their defense has gotten old. And mm-hmm. I, I think Todd Bowles of those four coaches is probably number four. So I, I think that Tampa Bay has real problems if they think that Baker Mayfield is a guy that can lift a team to a championship level. I think he can he can be part of a team, but I don't think that he can be the reason. It's the, the old, no. you, you can win with him, but you can't win because of him. No, but I think that you do have to give him a lot of credit because the narrative of everything that he's been able to do, as many changes as he's gone through, I think that that is incredible he's been able to do that. But I agree with you. I don't think that he's in that conversation, the top four. I think that C.J. Stroud has a lot, a high upside. Mm-hmm. So does Jordan Love. There's a lot to look forward to with these young teams with young quarterbacks. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got rock and roll. Plus, I've got some Matt Carpenter alternatives that maybe the Cardinals could have gone with. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Let's rock. Let's rock today. I don't know. Was Bob Tewksbury and Vince Cohen not available? Let's bring the ambulance flight back. I mean, let's bring the whole gang back together. I don't understand this signing. It makes no sense to me. Let's just bring back the 80s Cardinals. Where's Willie? Let's let's bring them all back. Willie's here. <laughs> he is, but can he be a player coach now? Uh, that's a good question. Okay, uh, better or worse than Matt Carpenter? You'd oh, no. Or ra- oh, okay. oh, no, Randy. Say rather or not rather, okay? Oh, no. we, we won't do better or worse, rather or not rather, okay? Uh, Joey Votto. Rather. Rather. Uh, World Series champion Jock Peterson. Rather. Rather. Uh, multiple <laughs> World Series, well, no, World Series champion, uh, postseason performer Justin Turner. Uh, rather. Rather. Uh, multiple World Series champ and can still play shortstop, Brandon Crawford. Rather. Rather. <laughs> Randy, this is not good. Okay, well, that's, uh, I, I'm just throwing out ideas for you here. Uh, World Series champion Michael Brantley. Rather. <laughs> I don't. I feel bad about this right now because we didn't make this decision. Well, no, we didn't. Now, but now here's, here's the thing. thing. We're talking about leadership. So this might actually add production to leadership. Joey Votto's a great leader. Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you, bring up, you gotta bring up the money. Always the money. <laughs> Always the money. But like, we didn't get a text when he goes, they could have gotten Cody Bellinger for this spot. Well, well no. I mean, we it is like a 14X yeah. price but tag. Like Jock, Jock Peterson, he wore pearls during the World Series run. He, uh, he was the leader of that Braves team. But that might be a little too personal, too much personality for, for this. Okay, good point. Good point, Brooke. So Joey, Joey Votto. Uh, okay, good point. Uh, Justin, okay, good point. Uh, Brandon, Bre- Brandon Crawford would be wonderful. And he's he's a leader, and he's he's got five kids. He Randy, can take advantage of the zoo. Randy, you're, you're, you're smiling a little bit. Let's talk about something that made a little bit more sense over the weekend. How about that? Okay. Saturday night, we're in Detroit, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score a touchdown to make it a 31-23 to ball game. Chris Collinsworth broke down their decision to go for two like this. I just want to go back to the two-point play. So this season, 55% on two-point conversions is the conversion rate. And the idea that you're just automatically going to make two kicks in a row, well, that percentage is only 95%. So you're going to deduct. It's not a 50-50 proposition that you kick the extra point. So when you add those two things together, it is very favorable to go for two in that situation. Do you agree with Chris Collinsworth after hearing the explanation again? Okay, I'm not a math guy. <laughs> but the conversion rate on one points is only 95%, and the conversion rate on two-pointers is 55%. So it makes more sense to go for two when it's 55% because you might get another 55% ch- chance rather than trying to score two points on 95% likelihoods. No, I don't get it. And I, I thought that was a stupid move on the part of... Todd Bowles. <laughs> you know, I would like it better. I, I could respect it more if you already have the one and you're going for the win. Yeah. But to yeah. me, you set yourself up for the win, right, by kicking the field goal or kicking the extra point, getting within seven, and then go for two for the win. If you lose that way, I can respect that. But no, not when you are 
uh, trying it to get within 23. And then mm-hmm. all the, then you have to make the two-pointer, and there's only a league-wide 55% conversion rate. 55% conversion rate, sure, it's better than 50%, but it's still not great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Randy. Yeah. Maybe so, too much sense. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know how good so Todd Bowles... Is it just overthinking it? it is. is that what it is? Yeah. It's just overthinking yep. the situation. Yeah. Yep, and, and Todd Bowles... As a head coach, he added an offensive coordinator that didn't didn't enhance mm-hmm. their scoring a lot this year. Todd Bowles, by the accounts of people that cover the, the league that I talk to, is like the nicest head coach in the whole league, but I don't know how good he is. That's problematic. Yeah. That is. Has been to the playoffs a couple times, right? But that still. counts for something. But the yeah. problem is, is that it, what's the universal way we, we talk about a player who's not that good when we don't want to talk about them not being that good? He's a nice guy. You know, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, yeah, it's true. It's so and, when you're a coach, I don't know if you want to be. Well, he's a nice guy. He's a really nice coach. Because what are, yeah. you, what are no, you trying to say? Yeah, I, he's not great. So yeah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. Oh well, I just thought I when you mentioned it earlier in passing that that the the dumb choice. I was like, you know what? I was I was fascinated by Collinsworth's explanation of it, so I had to go back and pull it. Because I just know you mean the numbers guy you are, Randy. That it was going to really vibe with you. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. You're right. I'm. But I'm not a math guy like Collinsworth is. I mean, he's he's in charge of that. But uh, who was it that ripped Pro Football Focus last week? I love. Well, it. it was J.J. Watt who yeah, again is rooting for his Texans, who are again offensive coordinated <laughs> by Bobby Slowick, who worked where for five years? Pro Football Focus. Oh, oh. I'm just I, I, and he worked in the NFL before he worked at Pro Football Focus, but he did work at Pro Football Focus for five years. And those things, and so it was funny because all the PFF guys were like taking it around because they were like, "Well, you're making fun of the guy who helped your quarterback that you love so much, and C.J. Stroud had this incredible season." So Clearly, we're not doing that bad of a job. Hmm. Interesting. You would drop well, is, is, does, is Bobby Slowick's father Bob Slowick? Um, who's been around, been around like forever? I think so, yeah. Um, so I don't know if they want to necessarily take credit for Bobby Slowick. Uh, yes, that is Bobby Slovic. That is Bobby Slovic's father is Bob Slovic. Who's so your point? Was the uh, defensive assistant for the Cowboys in 1992, and was also the linebackers coach for the Redskins in 2013. So he has a little bit of time in the NFL himself. Yeah, uh, let's see, defensive coordinator of the Bears from '93 to '98 for the Browns for in '99, uh, defensive backs coach for the Packers from 2000 through 2003, defensive right. coordinator for the Packers in 04. But no, uh, that's but PFS is, is legitimate because Collinsworth bought in and, and Slovic was worked there. So it's, uh, so it's legit. Oh, okay. All their numbers are right. All their numbers are right. And you're just an old man who doesn't agree with stats because <laughs> one, you don't like of, it. One of my favorite things ever, and this is a Belichick <laughs> thing, which I really liked. He's, he was It was when he did that thing with Saban, and he said, so we get on the plane, and all my assistants have their iPads out, and they're looking at all the numbers, and I have to tell the guys, guys, this had nothing to do with numbers. We mm-hmm. didn't tackle. We didn't play the game the way it's supposed to be played. It has nothing to do with analytics. It has everything to do with blocking and tackling. And then his uh, staff was able to put the iPads down and realize that they actually had to coach the game. Uh, Great job today by our producer, uh, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. And uh, thanks for being here. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke. Again, the the note for everybody in U City that might have heard a scream early in the it morning. It was me. I'm going to find that? the ring How camera about video. How about that? I am. Eee! I'll post it. And I don't think that my ring camera actually has me falling or trying to scurry up the driveway. You never know. 
It could. Yeah, I, I guess we could take a look, go back and look. Yeah. But uh, we're glad that we were here, and we hope we're that, survivors, yeah. Randy. And, and T Mac, we are. Uh, T Mac made it in. T Mac yeah. and Ajax are going to be here for a balloon party. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.